And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Hagman and Hagman Report. Hagman and Hagman Report. Yeah, you found the right place. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, We've got a great show lined up for you. A little bit, uh, a little bit of everything. um, Most assuredly, Uh, view from Iraq. uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sankari. Later on, Um, uh, the uh, well, Syria and Iraq, uh, the Free Syrian or the Syrian uh, presence. Fighting ISIS, and um, we have so much planned for you. Uh, so much planned for you. This show, uh, Joe is with us as well. Joe, uh, welcome, and it's good to have you. It's great to be back. Yeah, man. Want to say a thank you to all the people out there for the emails and, and the kind yeah, letters, yeah. And the e cards, e cards. Uh, what are those? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I, you know, that's something I never really. Uh, yeah. sent or, or made a habit of, of doing anything like that and I, I got uh, quite a few e-cards I wanted yeah. to say thank you to everybody oh. it's great to be back um, couldn't wait to, to be back actually with with the news continuing to roll on and a lot so of much stuff. going on uh, Man. and it's uh, exciting we're in a new month, the month of December Twelve one. Year. it's going to be 2017 yeah. before we know it and it is, like I said, just uh, very happy to be back. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for hanging in there, being patient. Many of you probably thought I uh, disappeared or vapor locked. That uh, was not the case. Despite our best efforts. <laughs> ready to go. And uh perfect day to come back. we got a great show for you tonight. I want to say thanks to my dad for holding down the fort and Eric, JD, and Jackie, and everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it, it truly is great to be back. That's good. Good. Well, a couple of things, and you've done a lot of research uh, as well while you were away, and, and uh, additional things uh, we've done research. By the way, folks, I uh, had a great opportunity uh, to spend some time with Lisa Haven. Um, many of you know her. I mean, she is the YouTuber, the uh, uh, person that uh, a great investigative researcher, citizen uh, researcher, investigative researcher, Lisa Haven. Uh, check out her YouTube channel. Subscribe to her YouTube channel. She's got some great videos. Her and her great sidekick Diesel, yeah, Diesel, um, the, the dog, the dog. Oh, was, what a great time! Uh, before the show, we had uh, I, I, her dog Diesel. What a great guy, little guy. Uh, but anyway, uh, check out her her our discussion. We had a conversation, and uh, she was a very gracious host and very gracious in terms of giving me the uh, giving me the time to. to well, we, we we went over a lot of ground from what is being called Pizzagate, and folks, I think what we got to do is we got to change the name of that. I, I think it should be Pedigate uh, yeah. or something to that effect. Um, I, I don't like Pizzagate because it's the focus is too narrow. This is uh, this is so much bigger than than that. You, you know, Joe. That, As an outsider, uh, for somebody to hear the term Pizzagate, they well, first of all, it might not captivate their attention. They might think you know. Um, that it has something to do with pizza, yeah, or, or know, a restaurant, or a chain, or something completely. I mean, 
the name couldn't be further removed from the issues that we're talking about. And what we're talking about is one of is the biggest child sex trafficking and pedophilia rings in the world. Is this is an international conspiracy? Yep. And it is, um, you know, we were talking before the show. It encompasses, you know, politicians and and leaders of industry from just about every country in the world. And it is oh. so much bigger. It goes uh, it goes than far Pizzagate. back. Can in that title, uh, yeah, can let it spread. So yeah, it, it definitely needs a new title. I mean, this is Pedogate. Well, let's re re uh, do our best to, to call it Pedogate or something. So I don't care, but just pick a different name. Um, because again, the the pizza angle to this, you know, the common pizza. Look, uh, they're going to use that to propel the fake news narrative. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have to we have to be careful. Uh, but but it's again it, it's a it's a bad qualifier. Um, Portions Life broadcast brought to you by OmahaSteaks.com. Have you done it yet? Have you gone to OmahaSteaks.com and and gone shopping? If you haven't, do so. They got a great special, seventy seven percent off the My Family Pack. Uh, so go to OmahaSteaks.com, folks, while you're uh, while you're out there and, and uh, do your Christmas shopping. But okay, the um, couple of things, and I think that. I was reading some of the comments on the YouTube uh, that I did with Lisa Haven, and I guess I guess you probably shouldn't do that, right? Man, um, okay. Uh, well, first of all, you know, you can only cover so much in such a little little bit of time. So you, you, you've got to understand that we're looking at, uh, as you said, this is worldwide. This is global. This this pedophilia ring is global. We've got uh, Joe. We've got uh, so many angles to this. This goes back not just uh, not just to 1993, as as I had pointed out before. Uh, of course, not just back to the Franklin scandal, but it goes back further than that. And it's much. It's worldwide. So. Um, but now it's just coming to the surface via the Podesta emails. Of course, everyone knows that and. But we have to be very careful, so we're not misled, and we're not. Uh, when I say be, being very careful, we we can't develop tunnel vision. Um, we have to look at the bigger picture, and I just want to share that. But and also too, and I mentioned this yesterday, and with Lisa today, and I just want to mention this one more time. Oxford Dictionary had uh, had uh, named the, the the term of the 2016 the word of the year. It's a compound word. It's post truth. P O S T truth. Which, which is suggestive that, that we are beyond the truth and everything is based on opinion and emotion rather than fact. That's what 2016 Oxford Dictionary has said. And that oftentimes precedes, post-truth oftentimes precedes the, the uh, word politics. So post-truth politics, which is really kind of an indirect slam at Trump and those people who support not just Trump but a different, uh, something outside of the Washington, Washington kind of um, beltway uh, drivers, you know, Beltway people. So, you say the post post truth. Yeah, that's right. Post truth is compound uh, word. It's the Oxford Dictionary word 2016, 2016 word of the year. And this ties in very tightly with fake news. Yeah, and that's something that I saw on uh, the last few days on Infowars and Alex Jones dealing with this. Um, and there's a few stories, you know, right now, fake news on Infowars, how the mainstream media destroyed themselves, fake news. Newsweek admits they didn't proofread uh, Madam President issue. They didn't even write it. 
And then you, yeah. I, I saw there was a, I think CNN said Al Jones right was the leader of the KKK. Yeah. Um, and then there's other, I mean, the fake news, if anything, is the mainstream media's narrative and their agenda and the, the subsequent implementing of that through their narrative. And, um, without getting too deep into this now, because I know, uh, time is limited tonight. We have the first hour open, then we got, um, a few people joining us that we're going to be talking about of you from Iraq and Syria and this world government, uh, and, and how the Middle East, um, the un- unraveling of the Middle East and the chaos we see there is, you know, one section of one region of our globe that is being transformed to become a part of this new global governance. Yep. Now, the head of the UN, uh, the, the guy coming in, Antonio Gutierrez, who's going to replace uh, the Secretary General at the end of the year is calling uh, for, he, he's saying that you need to completely, uh, Gutierrez, he says, politicians and policymakers must ignore citizens and voters in order to choose the values of open borders and the end of nations. Now, this is the guy who's going to be the head of the Secretary General. I got much more on him and about him and what we should expect uh, from the UN. <clears throat> and then I don't know if you saw this while we're talking about globalists. Kissinger and Brzezinski to be honored by Nobel Institute in Oslo University. Oh, isn't that special? Yeah, two of the biggest war criminals <laughs> in human history, uh, you know, to be yeah. honored at the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, well, and uh, we can get into that in another, uh, yeah, time, all, but, all of this together, uh, when we, when we, all of these, to me, at least anyway, all of these, um, all of these stories are kind of link together in some way. Everything that we're looking at, um, whether it be the the UN, uh, my goodness, it, all of this stuff leads together. But I just, I, I really want to drive home the point, uh, folks, that that we are in the fight of our lives right now as we're as we're going into this, um, this, we're fighting the fake news pejorative. Just as, you know, as we've been, as we have been called birthers and, and truthers, now it's, it's evolved from truther into the fake news or the alt-right. Alt-right too. You know, Joe, and a lot of people, well, the one thing that I'm very, that really gets me is not a lot, but some of the Christians or self-proclaimed Christians, and, and because we identify with that, um, are, are actually, Taking up the mantle of the progressive left, the Marxist-Leninist mindset, the socialist mindset, and, and what they're doing is is they're they're ripping at the alt right. For what reason, though? I and the the only reason is they're saying, well, they're they're profiteering from bad news and not not addressing the issues when we're when we're that's all we're trying to do is address the issues. So, in addition to the Washington establishment elite and the, the the media, which is not really the the fourth estate but the fifth column, you've got the group of a number of Christian people, blog people, uh, or or just Christians who are just assailing uh, the members of the alt right. Yeah, and when you're talking about Christians, you're talking about this goes back to the the religious spirit that is talked about so much and it's not a when people hear the words religious spirit they might think it's a good thing if somebody has a religious spirit but what that is uh, <clears throat> what the meaning of a religious spirit is is that you're so dogmatic um, and so dug in with um, you know uh, 
theological discussions and in your belief in uh, your interpretation of that as you know 100% fact and there's no room for and there's no pursuit of truth and there's no room for correction in your ideology that presents a huge problem mm-hmm. because you know aside from you know Jesus being resurrected and uh, being our lord and savior and you know salvation that is the only thing that we know and can be dogmatic about is that he came in the flesh uh, died and was and was resurrected mm-hmm. uh, in order to be the savior for all mankind and beyond that this is where everybody gets you know divided um with whether it's the rapture i mean people believe it's their way the way they see it and there's no way it, it can be anything else and there's no room for interpretation and when you get to that point on any issue aside from you know jesus and his resurrection you leave no room for correction and whether that's correction from another person or correction from the holy spirit but it's going to leave you in a very bad place but but I, even beyond that i mean that's that the starting point yeah, where the yeah. christian um you know the Christians will begin to to dig at each other, but and but, but what about the what that. about the Christians who, who don't have dogmatic uh, concerns and, and they're just they're just going after the uh, members again of the so, of the so-called alt right or so uh, of the truth movement or uh, you know the, we the people out here who are trying to really bring the news and, and the reason I, I'm putting time into this is because the 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 narrative that is being shaped the story that is being shaped that has to do with the post hyphen truth post truth politics the post truth world according to the media we are in the fight of our lives joe and and um when i say mm-hmm. that yeah i'm stuttering um when we look at things like the pedophilia that's going on in the highest levels of, of, of Washington. Yes, we know that this has been going on for a long time. We have spoken about it. But when you go to research this, um, we need people to come together. And, and citizen journalists and citizen investigators like John Roberts said, you know, we need these people to come together and we all have to work together and, and expose these deeds of darkness, not rip down the people who are trying to expose the, the deeds of darkness. So uh, I would make an appeal to everyone. Uh, let's get together and let's start doing the research that we have been called to do. If you're capable of doing research, do the research. Let's all do this together. Let's help InfoWars. Let's help uh, anyone uh, uh, anyone else who is on this story and trying to get the word out. Let's work together. Let's help Lisa Haven. Let's help everybody. Let's get together and let's 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 get for once and for all put this madness down and these 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 uh, really demonic entities down and uh, and see that's just it and this is where we run into a problem. Um, you have people out there who are going to come against the truth for monetary reasons. I mean, yep. you got a whole army of people who will lie and obstruct uh, for the purposes of monetary gain. You have people who are there to protect the agenda and believe in the evil, and you have the people who are absolutely evil. And then on top of that, you have the you know regular people who just are, are causing problems. And you might as well, I mean, it, it, unless you're... Um, going to do the research unless you're going to find out for yourself the truth of a matter which is really hard to do today you can't just do it through research it comes with discernment well uh, and that comes yeah, with prayer also yeah, but yeah. i mean 
it's just very sad to see. You know, we have this this Trump victory, and many people have taken their foot off the gas and and said, you know, thank you, Trump is is in office. We don't have to, you know, continue to look into the Podesta and Clinton emails. We don't have to continue to look into this human trafficking ring. We don't have to worry about global governance anymore because we have a man who's going to save us from all this. Well, that's not true. Amen to that. Uh, And we talked about before the election that even with a Trump win, we are still facing the biggest uphill battle of our lives, and we will continue to do that until we uh, do what you have said, and that is come together to expose the evil where it is and wherever that is, inside our government, outside our government, uh, how it is affecting this country, exposing that evil. And uh, I mean, when we look at prophecy in Scripture, we are told that you know we are not of this world, that anybody who loves this world um, loves the flesh also and is not uh, of the Spirit is not in the Spirit if you love this world. So you have uh, the spiritual world and you have this world. You have the flesh and you have the Spirit. You have the internal struggle, which each and every one of us go through on a daily basis. And then you have the body of, of believers um, who go through this on a daily basis. And, and you know, that struggle is hard enough uh, on an individual level. But when you move past that and you can come together and you can reason and fellowship with one another and put aside, you know, the doctrinal differences just for the the love of fellowship in each other, um, that will change things. One of the things that, you know, I was thinking about on my my time away is that we as human beings, we can change uh, pretty much anything about ourselves if we're willing to do so. And you're going to change as a person, whether you want to or not. Evolve almost, mentally evolve, grow up. And you're either moving in one direction or the other. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. And whether you you think you're not moving forward or backward, um, I guess that's a personal thing. But just from what I was thinking about just today, um, if you're not doing something to better yourself, you're going to be falling back into areas of your life that maybe you already have overcame and that goes you know from maybe reading the bible once a day to prayer light to any kind of discipline you want to uh, implement in your life but you have to be sure uh, that each day you know it's a new opportunity a new day and you move forward and you try to do better on on each new day than you did the last day and if you're not doing better you're going to be doing worse and uh, i guess this i said that to, to say this is a starting point um, our brains are, are capable of, of so much. I mean, we can do a lot if we put our minds to it. And just the littlest bit of effort yields results. And we have to make sure we make that effort each and every day, more so than the last, uh, especially as we continue to move into these dark times. As we were talking about the, the world, we know this this times we live in in this world, we're going to be continuing to face a more oppressive and overt evil. And it's going to continue. It's not going to let up. Um, you know, we all, we see what's happening in our, in, in this country with, you know, the homosexual marriage and all these different judgments that have been, um, issued upon our land. And those public battles are going to continue to go to the dark side. But at the same time, just like there was a, what they call it, the silent majority of America that mm-hmm. voted Trump in. 
Well, yeah. There is a silent majority of Christians out there, uh, you know, who, who see what's going on and who, who, you know, work every day and, and take care of their families and, and, I mean, but people are paying attention. I don't think there is, the, the populism movement has been talked about enough because, you know, going back to Brzezinski, uh, and his books and Kissinger and his books, a lot of these globalists, they talk about these populist movements. Mm-hmm. And one thing that these people are great at is, creating and shaping the future and they do such a good job we don't even see half the time and we're going to talk about this with uh lieutenant colonel uh sarjez sangari in hours two and three and, and how this is happening in the middle east you know from pnac to what we see today pnac you know 20 years ago to what we see yeah everyone's going to want to really today. pay attention to uh, when he comes on these the people colonel, are, on the are, ground yeah these yeah. people are shaping the future they're creating the future and that's only because we allow them to. And one of the things we can do, you know, by, uh, in this post-truth time is ignore the labeling, not be, don't, don't be, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we were surprised when we started doing this radio, uh, endeavor was that, you know, constitutionalists and gun owners, and people who believed in a sovereign United States were listed as extremists. That was a tough pill to swallow uh, at first. And you're thinking, how can, <laughs> how does this even make sense? You know, you, you, you're a United States citizen who believes in the laws and the founding laws of this land, and that makes you an, an extremist. Well, what nation do we really live in? Um, we have to get past the labels. We have to get past our own personal feelings, and we have to focus on. What's good for the body? Not what's good for us. I mean, that is important. But when when we get to a point where we know how to take care of ourselves, how to take care of our family, what's good for those around us? And how do we make this a better world for all people out there? And, you know, a lot of people who argue the truth, that's not the way to do it. You know, that will bring more pain and suffering. The truth is hard to swallow a lot of times. Um but it is something that we need to do uh, in order to survive spiritually and physically in this world. Because if we continue to hide behind the lies and um, accept the excuses they give us for what happens in this world, that's when we get caught up and become a part of it that we don't want to. And we become accomplices to the evil that they're creating. And that's the worst thing that you can be. That's right. Absolutely correct. All right. Um, okay. So, very, very well said, by the way, and, and a great foundation for not just uh, not just tonight, but uh, but every night, really. <clears throat> I want to touch on on a subject here. Planned Parenthood has de- is defending and, and continues to defend Pelosi, her fierce leadership f- uh, for abortion. Have you seen this? It's important for everyone to understand because uh, the abortion giant Planned Parenthood, of course, has reaffirmed their staunch support for the newly elected House Minority Leader. Okay, she was re-elected, of course, you know that. Cecil Richards, Planned Parenthood President Pelosi's former Deputy Chief of Staff, maybe didn't know that. That's right, Cecil Richards, who is now the head of Planned Parenthood, was Pelosi's second-in-command or Deputy Chief of Staff. And... uh they were self-congratulating uh, Pelosi and basically uh, engaged in 
congratulatory uh, stuff all day or since uh, you know she held on to her leadership position now um make sure everyone knows too the planned parenthood the position of planned parenthood their role in things you know, t- folks, today, child sacrifice, it's, it, as distasteful as this is to talk about, this is at one of, this is one epicenter of the, you know, the pedophilia gate, pedo gate. If I, just a quick programming yeah, note, uh, sure. tomorrow, Paul McGuire is going to be joining us in the first hour to talk about, uh, okay. never before released info on the satanic network and this, um, and what you're talking about. Well, right. And this kind of all ties together because um, child sacrifice is practiced throughout the world. And it's by the people right now who um, are the believers in the satanic. In other words, um, it sounds so crazy to most of us when, when we say, well, this is satanic sacrifice. No, it's not. You know, come on. You know, guffaw, guffaw. No, listen. Um, there has been a resurgence of child sacrifice, especially in Africa, and specifically in Uganda. Now, witch doctors have been implicated in the mutilation and death of children who were killed in an effort to bring good fortune and wealth. We see this taking place in, in, in third world civilizations. And throughout human history. Yes, yes. So when Steve Quayle and, and Tom Horn and others uh, talk about the the gods, small g, and the Nephilim and other, and other things. And I, I spoke with uh, Steve today, uh, again about this very issue. And, and we had a long conversation about this and about how all of this ties together. Uh, we're looking at this resurgence, this, uh, this resurgence that, the, the, of, 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 of worshiping gods with a small g from the times of Noah, for example. Uh, right now, children are being sacrificed at the hands of not just not just uh, witch doctors, so to speak, but abortionists, Planned Parenthood, for the sake of convenience, immorality, or pride. Hundreds and hundreds upon thousands of babies have been killed so that their parents can maintain a certain lifestyle via Planned Parenthood. And they sell those women reproductive health rights. And in reality, it is. it's exactly what you said. It is. It is uh, mass child sacrifice and murder and it's all connected together small you know, g god moloch as the scriptures say um you know and we have to understand well we're coming up against a break we'll hit this on the other side pick up where we left off and, and what sacrifice is and its origins in the world both human and animal because there's a biblical uh an actual purpose for sacrifice there was until jesus came and conquered death if you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman report Joe Hagman here with my father, Doug. We'll be right back. Stay with us on this first day of December. Welcome back to Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, check out Lisa Haven, lisahavennews.net. I was on there today. I want to thank Lisa for her graciousness, for her kindness, for, uh, allowing me to come on and, uh, and be a part of that, be a part of her show. She's got a great, great following, a great, uh, great platform. And congratulations to Lisa and Diesel. I like Diesel. Good little guy. So, uh, send her an email. 
let her know that uh, that she watched the the episode. Make sure you ask about her dog too. It's good. It's all good. But um, but again, I want to extend our thanks to to Lisa. And we all have to stick together in these times. This is war. The lines are being drawn. The fake news, uh, supposedly in quotation marks, the war against the alt right. The war against the truth is raging. The battle is being waged. And, you know, as Trump comes in, people are looking to, at him uh, and uh, to, to be the savior. He's not going to be a savior of, of really anything. Um, Ted Brewer is on top of things as well. It looks like he's, you know, bringing on people who are in favor of G- uh, GMO. Um, it's weighing heavily in favor of GMO. There are, this government does not rest on one person, operate on one person. It operates off of, uh, multiple, uh, um, you know, multiple uh, wheels, it, it cogs in a larger machine. So, but we all have to hold him and others in Washington to account for their actions. Now, before we get further on, I want to just mention that, uh, uh, you know, I, I have really taken care of a lot of my Christmas shopping via Omaha Steaks, but even equally important, I have absolutely loved the steaks that I've gotten from Omaha Steaks. If you love steaks, if you like steaks, man, this is the place to get them. They're, they're quality. Um, I mean, Cadillac quality beef, in my view, uh, for really reasonable prices and and when you add the Omaha steak seasoning to it oh my goodness it's just it's just melt in your mouth goodness but um you know i've had so many compliments on the gifts that uh i've given from omaha steaks and i've had just as many compliments as, as the, about the food that i've cooked from omaha steaks so if you're struggling to find that perfect gift for someone who has it all think omahasteaks.com that's omahasteaks.com and in the search bar, you got to put HH right away. As soon as you go to OmahaSteaks.com, put HH in the search bar, and there it'll open up this world of great, this great steak experience for you. They've got over 500 gift ideas. They've got the highest quality of cuts of meat and ingredients. It's a one-of-a-kind flavor. It's really quick and convenient shopping for those on your list. Did you know, and I didn't know this, but they age their beef 21 days to to really unlock the full flavor of their cuts. All of their cuts are hand-trimmed and vacuum-sealed. And, and, you know, you go there, you can get online recipes, you get the wine pairings, and so much more. So, But right now, Omaha Steaks is giving us, you, all of us, an exclusive savings just to our listeners. Listen to everything that you're going to get for under $50 right now. Under 50 bucks, as I mentioned earlier at the opening of the program. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, plus you'll get an extra four kielbasa sausages free. This was this package was like two hundred and some odd dollars, two hundred fifteen ninety. It's now forty nine ninety nine just to you using the well using HH in the search bar. You add the family gift pack to your cart. It's a seventy seven percent savings, and the gift uh, look it's guaranteed to be a hit. Whether you buy it for yourself uh, or others. But think OmahaStakes.com. That's OmahaStakes.com. But you've got to put HH in the search bar to get that, that tremendous savings. And the tremendous savings it is. Now, uh, yeah, okay. Okay, we're, all right. All right. 
just uh, hang on, guys. See, this is good. This is good. Uh, I should bring that my rotary phone in here. I got a rotary phone that I still use. Um, I do. Yes, Joe, I do in my office. Rotary phone. It. It was anyway. Uh, so okay. Yes. Do we have them on now? All right. All right, we're, we're going to bring, uh, we, we've got some news about, uh, about what we're, about the subject matter, about the, the pedophilia ring, and, uh, we're going to bring, we're going to bring John on. He was on yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Day before? Yeah. All right, it, it's up. It's segregated. It's a segregated video, too, um, giving some groundwork. And you know, I, I got, I got a couple of emails saying, well, you're, you're, you're too basic on this. Well, look, we, what we're trying to do is get everyone up to speed. Not everyone's at the same uh, level of, of understanding and, and knowledge that a lot of people are, and we have to appeal to a broad section of audience. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, on average anywhere between, I mean, upwards of 150,000 listening and 200,000 listening per episode. So what we're trying to do is appeal to the uh, right, right platform. So um, anyway, having said that. Um, but we, but we need to understand too how, just how big this is. And we're coming, and I was speaking with Tom Horn as well. Uh, what we're trying to do is take all of the information, vet the information, authenticate it, because some of it is misinformation del- deliberately put out there for people to go ahead and, you know, chase after. Yeah. And some of the most, yeah. uh, effective misinformation is that, that holds partial truths. And That's right, and, and it's very effective because what 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 the what the mainstream media wants to do is say, and this is happening too. Notice how the mainstream media has taken and, and looked at uh, Comet Ping Pong, and I saw one broadcaster say, "Well, I took my kids, you know, I've taken my kids there," and and it's you 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 cannot just focus on Comet Ping Pong, which you can see, and and, and you know all of that because a lot of that is is um, information that that well, it's. Um, You've got you've got to broaden your your. I'm just gonna I, I want to be very careful what I say here because you, people get there are lawsuits flying around. You have to be careful what you're saying. So, um, look at this as something that's been ongoing, and it was because of WikiLeaks that the Podesta emails via WikiLeaks and understand WikiLeaks has been going for on for ten years, and then the Podesta emails back October third. That revealed this strange conversational, these audit, these oddities in this, uh, dialogue. And mm-hmm. that, of course, opened this whole thing up. And then you had the citizen journalists and investigators from Reddit and 4chan, and Reddit has since banned the, the, the discussion of this. But notice how the people in, uh, in the news media come out and say, well, you're ruining people. Fake, fake news is ruining the lives of people. Yeah, too, this too. is important. To, yeah, that's go ahead. I didn't know how prevalent this this fake news trend on the wow. internet was, but just in the last few hours, the USA Today has an article up um, about fake news. The title, if you guys want to go, I just put fake news in my search engine. The fake web. Why we're so apt to believe fake news? And they start out by saying, fake content is genuine problem on the internet <laughs> yeah. between fake news that sways elections to fake apps that trick shoppers and fake book reviews that stein sales the web has seen a surge in fantastic misleading and outright false messaging that threatens to make the truth hard to find and, and this is gonna, this is going to be the responsible yeah. for the censorship of See, programs like this the web has been used to and seen a surge in in fake and in uh you know sensational and misleading news but that's only built on what you know the the big six and you know original three networks 
have done right. since their inception. I mean, we all, propaganda has been around since before TVs have been around. You have to understand that. <laughs> That's true. They've been, I mean, the ministry of propaganda from Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 40s was something that took the Third Reich into, you know, the stratosphere and got, you know, World War II to levels of almost total destruction of Europe. Mm-hmm. And all of that was propagated on lies, and, and it's still built on lies. And sadly, um, it's not a new phenomenon. We're just seeing uh, the media being called out for the crap that they have been pulling, and the truth is what is being labeled as fake news now. And this is their only, uh, or one of the only best things that they could think of to counter this um uh, Populist truth movement. Yeah, that is, is exactly. Ongoing. And John's with us. Whenever All right, and, and do not do not underestimate. And please, again, do not underestimate the 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 impact of the phrase fake news. And do not underestimate what where this is going. Let's bring John on. John Robertson, you got some uh, information. The, the man about town, man in the field, John Robertson. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Doug, I'm doing fantastic, and I just want to take just a moment or two of your time and, and share this with the listeners this evening. But first. On behalf of everyone in the chat and all the listeners, we just want to welcome Joe back. It's great to have you back, Joe. Oh, thank you, John. It's great to be back. Didn't even miss him. <laughs> I'm just I'm <laughs> kidding. All right. All right, Doug. I almost had coffee come out of my nose there. So yeah. <laughs> here we go. Uh, gentlemen, I spoke uh, just uh, a short time ago with uh, one of our uh, primary citizen investigators who is in the city of London. Uh, her mm-hmm. name is Tara, and she goes by Reality Calls on YouTube. And in my humble opinion, her video work over the past two weeks is not only succinct and exemplary, but it is the most linear presentation of all of these ad hoc discoveries that we're all dealing with, like so many plates in the air. So again, this information is fresh off the presses. This is from one of our partners in this uh, investigation, Tara from London. Uh, First off, this is what I want folks to really understand. I want to compliment what Doug and Joe have been sharing thus far this evening, which is there is a, a, think of it like polarities or bookends, folks. We have the truth, which is coming out through social media at this point via thousands of raw data streams. Now, raw data has not been vetted. Therefore, we don't know what's accurate or what is uh, obfuscation, controlled conditioning, or just plain conjecture. However, because, Doug, I'm sure you would agree, the magnitude of this story is so severe, I have some information this evening that I think is worthwhile. However, I mentioned polarities a moment ago. You have the truth on one end, folks, and then you have the fake news. I'm calling it a false flag Internet meme on the other. And somewhere in the middle is the truth, and that's what we're going to do our very best to distill here on the Hagman Report. Here's what's going on. Number one, Doug, Joe, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but as of last night, there is a loose confederation of hackers, uh, and I'm going to leave it at that, who are going directly after actual IPs and servers that are... uh, that are that are the subscribers of which would be places like Comet Pizza. So, the hey, John, from, don't say any more than that, brother. On that respect, okay. I know okay. What you're talking uh, about. All right. Let's yeah. let's move on to the next point. Uh, I want folks to take. I'm going to just to cover this quickly. Take a very close look at the Madeline McCain case from May of 2007. 
That's Madeline McCain, uh, capital M, lowercase c, capital C-A-I-N. Madeline McCain. <laughs> we have raw data that suggests that the disappearance of this girl while on vacation in Portugal could have been, in fact, could have been a case of multi-generational initiate parental pimping of this three-year-old who disappeared. Also, folks, when you look at Madeline McCann, I want you to look closely at the police sketches and the pictures of Tony and, uh, and uh, Podesta, okay? Look at these pictures. You will note that their facial recognition features, things like the wrinkles in their forehead, the space in the gaps in their teeth, and even a mole on the left eyebrow of Tony Podesta match these police sketches perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and John, my dad and I looked at, looked at this uh, a few weeks ago, and um, spooky was the one word, uh, creepy. Um, here's you know, you the, new, here's the new part. Here's the new part. There is information coming out, Joe, that suggests that Madeline McCain's mother, in the immediate aftermath of her daughter's uh, abduction and ultimate death, went to stay with, are you ready for this? The grandson of Sigmund Freud. So these are, now again, folks, do your research, use discernment. Remember that the, the uh, perpetrators of the fake news meme are going to insert all kinds of things in here that may or may not be true. However, let's not forget who Sigmund Freud is and who that, 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 that Freud family is a multi-generational initiate family that ultimately gave us Edmund Burke, that ultimately gave us the modern uh, business of advertising. Yeah, th- th- this, was a, this was a thread on Reddit, and th- that's when Reddit was basically cut off and um, censored. And I just want to mention this, okay, because uh, a couple of things, John, uh, and you're absolutely 100% correct, as is Tara, but um, I'm going to make, make sure people know this. McCann, or uh, Madeline McCann, M-C-C-A-N-N, is... Uh, there there are variations of the of the last name of the surname of this young girl McCon M C C A A or C A N N is the um accepted uh, the the birth spelling M C C A N N um Madeline McCon however okay it is listed as McCain in other venues but reddit when they were censored was were talking about this very thing about the disappearance where the parents were on vacation at a hotel, um, which was uh, within within like a mile or so of uh, Claude uh, um, uh, Freud's estate, it, to which they were reinvited. Uh, the parents were invited uh, to, to that estate uh, during the, her absence, Madeline's absence and uh, disappearance. And I guess I can go back and say this: uh, our investigation too is showing that. The uh, Podesta emails, just to compliment what you're telling us, the Podesta emails prior to her disappearance appear to have been cleaned uh, off the server. Just in case, did, did I take? I didn't say your thunder, did I? I didn't take anything away from you, did I? No, no, absolutely not. Okay. And again, folks, I'm just the messenger here this evening. This is uh, information that was given to me in order of importance from our. Uh, well, let's call her an investigative associate, Tara, in London. Again, reality calls on YouTube. Doug, let's. Uh, no, you did not steal steal my thunder by any means. But let's uh, let's move forward to 
a a uh, England uh, potential England and United States connection here, folks. I want you to take a note of this. You all need to jump on the Hampstead. That's Hampstead, as in Hampstead, England. H a m p s t e a d. Hampstead cover up. Now, I don't want to go too deep down a rabbit hole here, but I want to make listeners aware of this. This took place in Hampstead, England, and on YouTube, and you can find this on Tara's channel. There is a taped interview of a couple of young kids who are being interviewed by the police, and they are discussing in in little kid terms, but very simply, Doug and Joe, they are discussing SRA abuse and satanic sacrifice. And I want to encourage Hagman listeners to check this out, pray it through, use discernment, but you need to look at this. And I'm going to tell you why, because there are conflicting reports at this moment. One report says that the stepfather coached these kids in order to receive favorable judgment in a divorce suit. However, there's a very strong contingent of people that believe these kids are telling the absolute truth. And if there are any Hagman listeners out there who have been through specific training, whether it's through military intelligence or law enforcement, and you've been through the training with pantomime and and all the different characteristics of lying, I would very strongly encourage you to not only uh, examine this interview, but by all means, contact the Hagman Report once you have. If you have expertise in this area, I would personally very much like to hear from you. Doug, were you aware of this? Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a word, yes. In fact, we've been getting emails to expand, you know, to, to, to look at or connect all of these pedophile rings, these um, ac- or these um, accounts of child abuse and satanic ritual abuse. And, and John, uh, and, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have been working with Russ Dizdar on this as well, um, not here in the last couple of days, but, you know, within the last, Weeks have been working with Russ Dizdar because connecting things like, um, as crazy as this might sound, as, as Penn State Sandusky, that uh, sexual escapade, these the sexual issues there, uh, along with the Hampstead, in the international aspect, the, the Hampstead uh, uh, case that involves satanic ritual abuse. Uh, of course, that you know that's big in with uh, Rust is as well. So all of this, yes, yes. Uh, I, again, I did not mean to go nope. further, or you know, but uh, yes, we're, we're complimenting each other. We're complimenting each other in a very fine manner at the moment. Uh, this is where the Hampstead thing really uh, turns a hard left. Um, there is evidence that has been coming out since. Now remember. Uh, London is five hours ahead of uh, the time zone that the Hagman Report is in. It's eight hours ahead of my time zone. So this kid, this started coming out while we slept last night. The uh, the father of these Hampstead cover-up kids, it has been discovered, and this is still, again, folks, this is developing, that he he is employed or was employed by, are you ready for this, Doug? Love for Haiti. And love is spelled L-U-V. Folks, it's an NGO that has titular ties to the Clinton Foundation. Again, we will solidify this as the news develops. But, Doug, love for Haiti, L-U-V for Haiti. There it is. Yep. Yep. And this also has a a peripheral connection to Laura Silsby. And if you look at uh, Hillary Clinton's relationship with Silsby, who was... Um, with the, with another NGO uh, attempting to rescue children out of Haiti, 
and there were nine, I believe, she was a missionary or classified as a missionary, one of nine that were arrested, I believe, and she was held on charges and she was charged. Well, Hillary Clinton took a special interest in Laura Silsby to mitigate the charges against her to, to uh, and Bill Clinton to get the charges reduced against her, of course, taking 33 children uh, from Haiti to the Dominican Republic, when, of course, this was the, the parents or the, uh, some of the kids were saying, well, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I got parents. And, yeah, um, it was, she was charged with kidnapping. Those were the charges. But, again, the Clinton involvement to reduce the charges, Silsby, um, the, the target of, of the investigation, the purveyor of, of this 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 uh, love for Haiti part two, I suppose, uh, you know, this Haitian children savior ring, but, but perhaps not. So all of this combined, yes, and the connections, John, you, I mean, these connections that you're pointing out, the love for Haiti, the connections here to the Clinton Foundation and then to other NGOs. Yeah, and exactly. You're, you're 100% right. Oh. I mean, this is, I feel, I feel, Doug and Joe, and I don't want to, to go too, too deep on opining, but I feel over the past 10 days that the gates of hell have been thrown wide open and smashed against the brick walls because the stuff that is coming across my radar every day, and God bless, I want to, I have one more point to make with you before I run, but God bless these brave, for the most part, young women. Tara, I think, is in her mid-20s. Her, her sort of California counterpart is Brittany Pettibone, who, of course, will welcome to the Hagman Report on Monday, December 5th. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. They are receiving enormous backlash. Their sites are crashing. They're getting inquiries from mainstream media that, that are set up. Doug, you know that we talked about BBC. Uh, they are being invited onto mainstream media platforms, as has David Seaman, former Huffington Post journalist. And these, the, uh, around the campfire, a lot of these citizen investigators really feel strongly that these mainstream media invites are just nothing but a setup to, as I said at the beginning of my time with you this evening, to, to use one of those polarities, that being the fake news false flag, to smash people like Brittany Pettibone, like Tara from London, like David Seaman, and make them look foolish on Fox, CNN, uh, BBC, etc. And Doug, I don't. I just want to take one more minute of the listeners' time, and thank you for bringing me in this evening. Last thing, folks, this is where my skin starts to crawl. April 2016. Uh, this is uh, this is on record with both the St. Louis Metro Police as well as the FBI. This has moved over to a federal investigation, folks. April 2016. Uh, they have a perp and I'm sorry, a perpetrator in federal custody who has been charged with child trafficking. He was arrested with four female victims, all four underage. And Doug, Joe, Hagman listeners, this man owns a pizzeria in St. Louis. (laughs) Okay. Coincidence, right? Yeah, it's just a coincidence. That's what I've got for you folks this evening. Uh, again, pray, use discernment, jump into this investigation with us. We need boots on the ground. There will be more to come as it develops. Remember, there are a loose confederation of hackers, uh, both in the U.K. and in the, in the States, who are going directly after the servers of these pizzerias and these other epicenters of this terrible pedophilia ring. And, Doug, I'll leave you with this. How about the word rape gate? Does that work for you? I, I take that too. Anything without pizza in it, rape gates fine, pedo gates fine. You know, anything 
how about just yuck, you know, really? Amen. Okay, well, Doug, Joe, thank you so much for having me. I'm going to run. God bless you. Have a wonderful show. Hagman listeners, God bless and good night. Thank you, John. Thanks to John Robertson. Uh, What a blessing John has been uh, for us for the Hagman Report. You know, our our thanks go out to him. But but he's absolutely right. And, and Joe, um, um, the McCann disappearance, the Podesta involvement there, there are, are so many elements to this. And why why are we spending so much time on this? Is the reason is, in the highest levels of Washington, in the highest levels of governments all across the world, what we're seeing is these satanic rituals taking place. And it's as yeah. hard as it is to believe it's they're taking place. And, and this is fuel for that fire. X Files, the show X Files. Yep. Um, I don't know how many people remember that show or had had watched that show. Did a great job of. I guess uh, creating a summary of what really happens. You have a government followed yeah. by a shadow government, or and they, they shadow to the satanic ritual abuse of things. But they they focused more on the alien aspect, as it was obviously just a fake TV show. Um, but one thing they got right is that there is a group of people in the highest levels of government that are part of a shadow government that are operating for their own personal interest against the best interests of the people for a dark agenda where the truth uh, will never be found because these people are creating the future and they're creating the lies um, that shape the future. That's right. And when we come back, we're going to be, uh, again, we're going to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Sarges Singari. He's going to be, uh, mm. Dr. Frederick Krantz is going to be coming on with him in the next hour. Update on Syria, yep. the fight against Syria ISIS. and Iraq. Right. Um, and again, um, Lieutenant Colonel Sarges Singari will be joining us. And I want to say thank you to Bill McIntosh uh, from OCASO Media. We'll be right back with Mr. Singari on the other side. Stay with us. from our radio and television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania. You know, it's great to have people like uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sargis Sangari. It's great to have patriots like that, uh, men who care about the future of the world and are doing something about it. He's just an amazing man, giving you a view from the ground in terms of what's going on in Iraq, Syria, the Middle East, and letting you know the real... I mean, you talked about the real news, not the fake news. This is the real news, and he's the purveyor of it. And uh, he's he's been on the show before, and uh, to, to much uh, fanfare as well. Uh, before we get to uh, our guest, I, I want to mention that, uh, uh, you know, time is running out. It's December 1st already, so when you're looking for... Perhaps Christmas gifts. Think of survival gifts. And when you think of survival gifts, think of Minuteman Stove. Minuteman Stove, they're having a special between now and Christmas. Here's the deal. You order, you place an order first though from Minuteman Stove. Um, well, you know what? The, uh, in my apologies, if you missed the Cyber Monday sale, that, that, that was over last week. Regardless, at, at, at any, 
at, at any price. Uh, I would recommend the Minuteman stove. Uh, Minuteman stove right now, they're offering a special for Hagman and Hagman listeners. Let me just get on this proper script here. Go to MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. Order a stove for Minuteman stove. By the way, folks, if you haven't seen the, these Minuteman stoves, it's a rocket stove that really it uses one-tenth of the uh, necessary requirement of uh, wood, uh, that an open fire would. Small amount of sticks, twigs for fuel. You'll always be able to find enough fuel for the Minuteman, even if you live in a city. The Minuteman stove, fully insulated with ceramic refractory insulation. It, it focuses the heat where it's supposed to be, results in cooking power comparable to that of a kitchen stove. It, it can also be used on a picnic table because of the outside the temperature. It, it reaches only about 200 degrees. It, it's, you can pick it up essentially with your hands. And the um, Minuteman will also, it, it, it creates no smoke, which I, I just find amazing. When, when when I use the Minuteman stove, no smoke whatsoever. So if you've got people around that are sensitive to smoke, or if you don't want to give away your location, this is the uh, smoke, and it, that speaks to the um, uh, speaks to the efficiency as well of this Minuteman rocket stove. It's self-contained, seals airtight. It's got a wonderful seal around the edge, around the top edge. It's uh, got a carrying handle, weighs fourteen pounds, travels clean, no smells or soot. It, it, these are just some of the features. Minuteman stoves are made in America. Folks, they're also serving with our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're handmade, battle-proven, extremely rugged. Minuteman stoves come with a two-year no-hassle guarantee. And by the way, no nobody to date has ever attempted to cash in on the guarantee. That's how good they are. Minutemanstove.com, Minutemanstove.com, Minutemanstove.com. Joe, I'm going to toss it back to you, sir. Yeah, uh, for the next, for the remainder of the show, we are going to be joined we are joined by Lieutenant Colonel Sarges Sengari, and he is with us to talk about uh, the view from Iraq and Syria, what is happening in the Middle East. He is uh, the head of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, and uh, also Dr. Frederick Krantz will be joining us at 8.30 with uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Mr. Sengari. It's great to have you on the show, uh, Lieutenant. It's good to be back again. It's great to have you back. So much has uh, happened. You were on in uh, August, uh, August 22nd, I believe, uh, of this year, and um, you've been on, on done several interviews with, with a number of uh, outlets, uh, folks, and, and you can, uh, in our description of the YouTube episode, and it, it, Dr. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Sangari's uh, website's there, and you can uh, do a search and find uh, many of the interviews they're all fantastic interviews that you've done you've given a very uh, comprehensive overview of what's happening in the Middle East and specifically with Iraq and Syria and ISIS Um, can you give us uh, a general update uh, since the last time you've been on about what has been happening as we see the US and Russia and and Turkey getting involved and um, you know we, we hear news about um, different areas and regions, you know, pushback uh, in Mosul and, and Aleppo, and, and uh, it seems like uh, there continues to be uh, struggles in, in these cities uh, between the... Are we winning, I guess? Yeah, and, and the forces fighting terrorism. Uh, well, I don't know if we can qualify it as a, if we're winning. It's the uh, same as is. Um, the current administration is still in charge. Um, I don't know how much is going to change, even with a new administration coming in. Uh, as you gentlemen were speaking earlier, in the, ta- in the first hour, uh, the systems 
individuals who are within those systems, if they're not political appointees who might be replaced, uh, might be foreign service officers who have worked over number of administrations. So if you take a look at what we've done within the region going back to 2003, and this was something recently that the Syrian Army commander relayed specifically to the embassy of the United States, or I should say the Council of Nerbal. And the reality is this, that we've had multiple different uh, departments of state representatives show up. We've had multiple different um, cabinet appointments under different presidents show up. Uh, we've had multiple different Department of Defense folks show up. We've had the U.S. military with a strong presence out of Iraq, back again uh, into Iraq, and really nothing has changed. And for the folks on the ground, one thing that they look forward to with the current election of uh, President-elect Trump is that it was a movement at the local levels by Americans specifically, that Americans say, you know what, we want to make a complete change to the system. And uh, uh, what we want to do is we want to bring somebody in who's an outsider, who's really not a politician, uh, who doesn't have that background in, uh, in defense uh, procedures, and we want to make him the president of the United States and make him the commander-in-chief of our multi-forces. Um, from the Middle East perspective, especially with the certain Christians in Iraq, the message that was relayed to the embassy was, if it's good enough for United States, uh, for Americans, to realize that a change needs to be done, we expect to see the same thing here, because it's not working. You're not winning in the region. You haven't won since 2003. You haven't won in Syria. You haven't won in Iraq. You haven't won in Turkey. You haven't won in the Iranian uh, affairs issues. You're not winning in Yemen. You haven't won with Saudi. Um, you haven't won in Libya. Uh, so across the board, it's just absolutely failure. Uh, you've lost people, resources, personnel, equipment, and reputation. Uh, for a change to take place, when a new administration comes in. The individuals who have been advising multiple different presidents when in the United States government have to literally be either replaced or have to be put on the spot some of the toughest questions that a president can ask them. Uh, as an example, to give you an update of what's happening within the region, uh, I was down there recently. I went there for the Mosul clearing operations, which started uh, sometime after October 7th. We stayed there and came back. I came back uh, on the 27th, realizing that the Mosul fight was going to take longer than we predicted, um, given the fact that the KRG, Kurdish regional government forces under the Peshmerga and also the Iraqi multi-forces, which are mostly Shia controlled, uh, with maybe 1,500 Sunnis fighting within those ranks uh, under the Heshishabi, which is one of the Iranian-aligned militias that now has been recognized to become the next state apparatus when it comes to anti-terrorism, literally the creation of another Mukhabarat uh, intelligence uh, system for the current Abadi regime. Um, and these individuals were just not capable, and if they were going into an area, uh, as they did in Fallujah, Fallujah wasn't liberated, and there were massacres that took place of the citizens of Fallujah when one group came in and killed the rest. For the certain Christians, all the villages that we had in the certain plain, they were completely destroyed. They were destroyed based on the fact that certain Christians were not given the support 
to take their own villages. So the support was given only to the Iraqi military and was given specifically to the Kurdish regional government, who literally knowing that that area might be something that they may not retain in the future, they destroyed everything. They just went in and destroyed all the times. There's no infrastructure left for the Christian Assyrians. Uh, one of the uh, villages, or, you know, a little bit larger cities in our area sector for the Assyrian army was 85% destroyed, to include the cemeteries. The churches were destroyed. Uh, major cities within Bartella, which were Assyrian villages, Assyrian cities, um, when the church leadership went into those churches after the so-called liberalization of the cities to try to conduct mass, just to bless the city uh, church, uh, where they were actually conducting uh, killing of individuals, tortures, uh, they were kicked out by the Iraqi special forces uh, commanders um, because you had Christian Assyrians actually had the audacity to try to conduct a church service in their own uh, uh, city's uh, church. Well, well, wait so, are, 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 aren't we aren't we backing the Iraqi Special Forces of America? Yes, we are. We're backing. <laughs> we are funding them, but we are not funding the uh, specific Assyrian groups who have asked to conduct joint operations for the taking of their own towns and villages. I'll give you an example. Uh, Bartella, which is very strategic in the Suriname Plain, was never a Shabak city, meaning Shabak being Shia of Iraq, a group of Shia of Iraq. Well, 2,000 Shabak have been sent by the Iraqi government, government of Iraq, under the guise that they are part of the uh, federal police divisions to operate it out of Bartola. We've taken the mayor of Mosul, which was a Shabak, and we've moved them to Bartola in order for them to have a headquarters while the Mosul operations are taking place. While this is being done, all the Shabak are now registering to be residents of Bartola. So what are you doing here? You basically are coming in now and you're liberating these cities and you're changing the demographics of who's supposed to live there. So you're literally, any city that has an infrastructure, you're now turning it over to the Shia of Iraq. Before it was a Kurdish, Sunni Muslim Kurds who controlled them. Now you're basically flipping those cities to the Shia of Iraq. This is a problem that the certain Christians and all other Christians in their historical homeland have to deal with. Social engineering by war. I mean, that's this, it. This, wow. Wow. Okay. 85% I'm, I'm, I'm of the infrastructure of one city destroyed, guys. 75% of most of the towns have been burned down in the Syria, Nima Plain. These are all Christian villages. If you look... The Shabak villages are in a certain name of plane, which the Iraqi army liberated. Their infrastructure is intact. The ones that the Kurdish regional government came in and liberated, their infrastructure is intact if they were non-Christian villages. But if there are certain Christian villages, pretty much destroyed. If you take across the board, 45% of everything that we saw when I was on the ground was either burned out or destroyed, no infrastructure. That means the Christians do not even have a place to go back to. 
This is a systematic process by which the root of Christianity is being eradicated in the Middle East, whether by ISIS or supposedly our allies who are more interested in moving their peace in in order to ensure that the Christians don't have a footprint. Now, if you want to ask about the news makers, I don't know why there's not reporters down there sticking a microphone in the face of uh, leadership in government of Iraq or the Kurdish regional government asking him, why is it that that Shabak village wasn't destroyed when you liberated it, but the Syrian Christian village was absolutely pummeled? Explain that to us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's it's by design, and it's it's a it's a war against Christianity in the Middle East. That's I'm having a hard time, really. Um, wow, to hear this, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, to hear this is just incredible. And folks, I hope you're hearing this. Go ahead, sir. I mean, it's just simple. Forty percent complete destruction of all the cities and infrastructure. Seventy-five percent, all of them burned out inside and out. <clears throat> the major cities of Baghdad, Karkush, <coughs> commercially, uh, Bartala, Bashika, Talaskov, Talkeb, and just so everybody knows, and uh, Talkeb, one of the cities specifically located there, is not even cleared yet. So they've even started claiming most of them and cleared. Uh, some of those cities are very significant to the Christian Assyrians. Um, and when you're talking about villages like Batnai, to include the cemeteries being destroyed, if you drive up and down uh, uh, your local highways here, our cemeteries in the United States are in better shape than the Assyrian Christian villages are in Iraq. And a lot of those IDPs would pay dollars to live in our cemeteries where they cannot even live in their own villages. Mm-hmm. And this is under United States watch. So the well, Trump administration was... comes in, what are they going to do? Okay, it, pre- precisely. I mean, we, there's got to be a level of knowledge among the, the, the Obama regime, as I call it, uh, not even an administration. There's gotta, they've got to understand what they're doing. This can't be by incompetence or through incompetence. This has got to be by design. There's no other way to explain this, or am I wrong? Well, I was. Uh, if you go to uh, state.gov, uh, they have a, a the State Department releases a, uh, a monthly newsletter, and the most current newsletter you'll see is called. Uh, if you go to pages, uh, um, uh, page one of thirty-one, specifically, is called uh, a helping hand. It is uh, uh, written by uh, John Underland. Uh, senior coordinator for the refugees and IDP affairs in Baghdad, uh, um, Iraq, Embassy of Baghdad. And uh, here are some of the notes that he has put in here, specifically. And then he has written that Iraqi IDP crisis arose from the efforts uh, to push Daesh, also called ISIL, um, out of Iraq and the Lamant, okay, and out of Mosul specifically, uh, which is the second largest city. And he talks about how we have uh, this conflict and previous conflict that created 240 million refugees, uh, specifically from Syria and throughout the entire region. Uh, you go farther down into his notes, uh, he talks about that only 14% of Iraqi IDPs reside in camps established by the UN. 
So the Iraqi Red Crescent Society or donor nations such as the United Arab Emirates, the rest live in estimated 3,800 locally spread throughout the country. And I've seen these individuals, some of them basically run trinket shops on the sidewalks in Erbil, which is the capital of the Kurdish regional government right now. Uh, and in uh, empty parking lots, uh, empty buildings, mosques and churches. This is written on the Department of State site. Okay. Uh, now, if you go farther down, he talks about that the United States is the largest contributor of humanitarian assistance uh, to these vulnerable Iraqis, providing $1 billion since October of 2014 to include $181 million in additional life-saving assistance that Deputy Secretary Anthony um, Bilkin announced during his September visit to Iraq. Where is this money? Where is uh, the news media makers doing a, for, uh, you know, a FOIA request to ask, where is this money going to? I didn't see it to any of the Assyrian Christians on the ground. There's no money being provided, no multi support being provided. Their towns are absolutely destroyed. They're being replaced by other ethnicities. And the House resolution that we talked about last time I was on your program, they even took the name of Syrian and dumped it to the side because they wanted it to be nothing more than a recognition as a Christian minority rather than an ethnicity. And they considered uh, in the same resolution that there were... Uh, genocide against the Shabak, who are currently now moving and taking territory that literally used to be Assyrian homes and towns. In, in uh, uh, Shadat itself, uh, you had one house that was a Shabak house before the clearing operation, before the ISIS attack. Now you have 80 houses there, and all that is being supported by the government of Iraq. Now the Assyrians are fighting to be part of a federalized Iraq. But for us to fight to be part of a federalized Iraq, that means we need to have rights. The United States government, when they sent me downrange and I went to fight there for over uh, four years in a row, uh, my main concentration was to bring democracy to the region. And to me, democracy by definition means that everybody has a right, has a voice. Where is this democracy? Why are we not supporting it or forcing it? Why are we not funding individuals at the lowest level who all they've asked for is have a say and a voice in their future? Um, I was in displaced camps, seven-year-old girls whose teeth are really falling out. Uh, you have women, Christian women, who have really reduced themselves to an extent in certain areas of prostitution to survive. You have young kids who haven't had schooling for three, four years now. You know, we talk about no child left behind here, but we don't care about if they're left behind. Not only is the current generation of Christian Assyrians or of Christianity being eradicated, they have killed the future generation too. Because they're literally nothing more than people living in their coffins. They have no future. They're done. And now you don't even give them a place to go back to because you destroyed all the infrastructure to say that you're clearing Mosul. And you force the Christian Assyrians to have to go get money from individuals who are being uh, looked at in the world court as possibly conducting war crimes. Why? Because the Department of State says for foreign multi-sales is how it works. How come it doesn't work that way in Syria? How come you find other ways to get the money to individuals that you call your allies? But you 
can get the money to Christian Syrians who have a joint force capability of 6,000. How come you didn't bother to support the uh, Yazidis when they needed support? Who said we will unite with the Syrians, create a 10,000-man force? Possibly if you push it to the mountains, send you a 20,000-man force. Why? Because it was not to your benefit? So what is to the benefit of the United States? To have a black mark on his resume that it eradicate the roots of Christianity in the region? And what are we going to get out of it? More dead soldiers, like the young man that we recently lost in Syria, our Navy SEAL? What was his sacrifice worth? What did we accomplish from that one soldier dying on the battlefield in Syria? I don't know what the decisions could be made by the new president, and I really don't know who's advising him. But if it's the same people who are advising him that have advised us into this, I wouldn't call it quagmire, into this level of stupidity, if I can use a personal comment, then I would say that he is going to be in a worse situation than President Obama probably was during his administration. This is incredible. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, so what you what you're saying is what we're witnessing today is the genocide. The, well, is genocide even the right word? Uh, Cultural uh, genocide. Well, yeah. I mean, the eradication of Christianity across the Middle East, and, and it's by design. And and you are one of the few people out there. Your organization. You're 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 one of the few fighting for the Christians, whether they're the, the Assyrian. Well, regardless, you're fighting for the Christians. And and, and but the fight. I mean, you're up against the most powerful uh, military machinery, really, of the world, and I just I can't imagine the I just can't imagine what you're seeing uh, take yeah, place. And from what you're seeing and what you're reporting to what you know we get from news reports and, and news outlets as information coming from the Middle East, it's almost you know two different things. And for years we've heard. Of how you know the U.S. is supporting, um, you know the the citizens to, that are going to fight you know, the terrorist ISIS in these different regions, but we continue to see uh, you know the spread of of ISIS and this terrorism, and they continue to take over these cities. Uh, and I guess the the real problem is you know the United States average American is not. Uh, concerning themselves with what's going on in the Middle East because it is not in their in their viewpoint is it's not affecting them it's not affecting their bottom line and uh, you know it's out of sight out of mind I think for a lot of people which is truly sad but you know you raise a lot of interesting points and questions you know where is all this money going who are we really funding yeah I, where are our it, weapons Joe going? if in, 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 in lieutenant colonel if I can ask you just one more time because I'm, I'm I myself want to refer to this document. What document were you referring to with respect to the, uh, uh, which we're reading from, citing from? Because I think this needs to be, uh, you know, exposed. Yes, if you go, it's basically out of the state magazine, so the Department of State releases a magazine. And if okay. you go to the December 2016 extracts, which are, you'll find it in a PDF format, it's called A Helping Hand. Okay. And it it basically is three major um, pages out of that state magazine. That if you take a look at it, it really will bring up questions that you have to ask. Uh, where is our money going to? What are we doing in the region? Um, look, guys, um, United States um, is 
not a government entity only. Uh, and I think this is where a lot of Americans maybe you don't understand why guys like me still are supporting the um, Assyrian efforts, Christian efforts in, in the region. Uh, I don't, I think some people don't understand why, you know, we created the United Assyrian Appeal to raise money to support the uh, multi-families um, of the Christians that are fighting down the range. Um, it's not just territory geographically that we say this is what United States is, this is what America is. It's the individuals in America. And this, in the long run, becomes a stain on individual Americans. Uh, hmm. I, I, I cut off talking to the government folks years ago. Um, uh, you know, I've been in the system. I know how the system works. I know that the people in the system really only care about their next promotion. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great Americans that are working, but a lot of them who are shedding blood and dying down the range have no clue that, the, you know, you got some guy who made a decision what the policy for the Middle East needs to be four years ago, and they're still driving on on that policy, even though that policy is actually doing damage to the United States. Lieutenant uh, Colonel, and it, well, hold on, hold on, Lieutenant Colonel, we're up against a break. We're coming up against a break right now. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Frederick Krantz, uh, for the next half hour with you, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sangari, um, of the, the head of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Sangari, and um, in a moment, uh, we're going to be joined by Dr. Frederick Krantz from, uh, um, actually, a, a friend of Lieutenant uh, Sangari. But he, yeah, he's, he's the a director of the Canadian Institute yeah. of Jewish Research, founder and director of uh, Liberal Arts College, Concordia University, Montreal, Canada. He has a doctorate in history from Cornell University. He's also the author. His latest book is "History from Below: Development of Mass Politics and Popular Movements." But, but you know what, folks? Everyone needs to be paying attention to what's going on in the Middle East. What's going on the 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 mass genocide of Christians? Look at what's taking place in Syria. Look at what has been taking place in Iran. Look at how or Iraq, and look at how Iran figures into this picture as well. Look at all of the fighting forces in the Middle East. Isn't this what we're always talking about? In fact, everyone should be. Really interested and tuned into this program. I can't imagine right now any more important topic geopolitically than what uh, what we're talking about right now. And and boy, I'll tell you, getting this information right, this is ground level information. Uh, You're talking about fake news and things like that. Yeah, the, the, what's coming out of the Middle East? Uh, there's so much fake news. That's and, you exactly know, you see, right. Um, conflicting headlines. You know, today there's there's a headline from the Financial Times was up on Drudge, Syrian rebels and secret talks with Moscow to end Aleppo fighting. How many times have we seen? And maybe this is happening, but how many times have we seen? Uh, you know, reports that uh, they're you know so close to ending the fighting, so close to recapturing a city. But, Just but, but to the see thing, years later, how uh, everything was started really uh, with a destabilization process in a, in a in a way. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Right. Before we get to our, back to our guests, folks, I just want to uh, ask if you've heard about our new sponsor, MasterPreps.com. That's MasterPreps.com. Have you heard about them? If you haven't, check them out. 20,000-plus products on their website, over 20,000 products. And they're, they're 
but getting more out of daily. They've got anything and everything you ever need for your survival, your camping needs, everyday needs. It's it's all on sale and competitively priced. That's masterpreps.com. Folks, the holidays, Christmas is right around the corner, and what a great place to get any last-minute shopping done, any shopping period done. Master Preps has all of your outdoor camping, prepping, survival needs covered from tents to backpacks to hunting scopes to prepping supplies. Masterpreps.com has it all. They carry high-quality companies. They deal with all the high-quality proven companies, so your order is never... I mean, none of this is dime store level equipment from water filters to, to tents to... I mean, you name it, they've got it. So if you need a few ideas for that harder person, Hard person to shop for. Go to masterpreps.com. Again, over 20,000 products and more being added daily. And we thank them for coming on board, masterpreps.com. Now, Joe, go ahead and, and take this because this, uh, folks, uh, wow. Yeah, we, we have a, a guest uh, who's joining Lieutenant Colonel Sangari, a Professor Frederick Krantz, uh, the director of the Canadian Institute of Jewish Research. Uh, Dr. Krantz, it's great to have you on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. It's uh, uh, great to have you on, and I uh, want to give, a, uh, again, thanks to Bill McIntosh um, for setting this all up. And Bill and, and John um done a fantastic job setting this program up. Um, and, and you two guys know each other, right, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Sangari and Dr. Franz? Yes, we were just at a conference together in Toronto. Sargis, how are you? Good, good. Thank you, Professor. Good to hear Thank your you. voice. Uh, guys, I think we should like back out and let you guys let you guys have the floor. Seriously, uh, we don't want to get in the way, um, Lieutenant Colonel. We're going to turn it over to you. So, I mean, I'm kind of serious. Uh, we're going to turn it over to you because I think the people need to hear exactly what you guys have to say without us butting in. So, Lieutenant Colonel, go ahead and uh, take it t- take it away. Well, I think uh, the lead was actually taken by Professor Kranz because uh, the. Uh, CIJR established a uh, conference recently. Brought um, a, gave me the honor to be part of their panel, and we spoke about the uh, genocide um, of the Christians in the Middle East and why is the world silent. And I think that it was um, uh, eloquent what Professor Kranz said specifically as to what is happening in the region. I'm going to kind of turn it over to him and let him uh, speak up from his perspective as to why is the world silent on this topic. Um, and, um, um, Professor, please uh, go ahead and take the lead on this one. I well, think it's more you. important yes, I, uh, for him to understand your piece. Yeah, the, the Canadian Institute for Jewish Research in Montreal is a um, uh, conservative, academic, pro-Israel uh, think tank. But we've become concerned increasingly in recent years with the persecution of Christians in the Middle East and the lack of Western, uh, European or uh, North American, U.S., Canadian uh, response to it, awareness of it. it. It's quite striking that people are not aware that severe persecution of Christians are occurring, uh, is occurring across the Middle East and leading to the decline of the Christian population and the situation in, um, in Iraq. And particularly in relation to Assyrian Christians in the uh, around Mosul area, uh, is a, a kind of genocide. We, we became aware of the Yazidi people who are not Christian; they're Zoroastrians, uh, but we're not aware of the, uh, the Christian persecution and, and genocide. So uh, we 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 have some statistics that the audience would be interested in. I'll just briefly run through them. Um, in 1900, there were over 2 million Christians in the Middle East. 
Today there are less than 300,000, and they are declining very quickly. In 1910, Christians were about 14% of the Middle Eastern population. Today they are under 4%. Uh, people uh, don't realize that it is the Christian populations who really are indigenous to the Middle East, and the Assyrian Christians of the Mosul area and the, uh, the Nineveh Plain are the earliest Christians uh, post-biblical, the oldest Christian community in the Christian world. And uh, the Arabs came very much later, Muslim Arabs, Islam came much later in the 7th century. So uh, this uh, millennial Christian population is, is under threat. It is uh, threatened. And we see the problem, I think, <clears throat> clearly in the, the whole issue of the Syrian refugees, the people fleeing the, the terrible civil war in, in, in Syria and the Russian intervention and the Iranian intervention. Uh, Syrian uh, Christians are 10% of the population of Syria, but when you look at the, uh, the at the refugees who are coming into the U.S. and Canada, you discover they're a tiny, tiny percentage. In the U.S., uh, something like 68 Christians were admitted uh, recently, where according to population, uh, it should, they, there should have been at least 1,300. And one of the things you, that's really striking is that you discover that not only are the Christians not uh, uh, valorized, they're not supported by the West, which is, after all, part of what used to be called Christendom, but they are actively uh, persecuted. They're, they're, there's a prejudice against them, uh, and you have this uh, balance of uh, sympathy in, in favor of, of the Muslim population, and that, that feeds into something larger, which maybe we can talk about, which is the, uh, I'm particularly in the, in the U.S. under Obama, a kind of pro-Islamism that characterized government policy. There's been no outrage about the persecution and genocide of Christians on the part of the Obama administration. Far from it. It took Congress to actually put pressure on John Kerry and pass uh, a law uh, condemning the genocide of Assyrian Christians for, for Kerry finally to be dragged sort of kicking and screaming into making a statement uh, accepting the fact that there was a, a genocide. Uh, so that that whole constellation is something that uh, this, this anti-Christian uh, mindset uh, in the Western in the Western world uh, is something that really needs needs attention. It may strike you as paradoxical that a Jewish organization, Canadian Institute for Jewish Research, uh, is playing a role in trying to uh, make this known and to offset it. But we we feel a great deal of sympathy for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East. Uh, we have experienced the same, same thing. People don't realize that uh, over 800,000 Jews were brutally expelled from the Middle Eastern countries uh, just before and during and after the foundation of the State of Israel in 1948. So we've been through this, and uh, the Jews, it turns out, uh, are advantage in a way because they, they founded their state through Zionism, they founded a democratic Jewish state in the Middle East, which is a haven and a protection. But Christians lack this. Christians lack this state protection because the Christian states, the traditionally Christian states, are not playing that role at all, far from it. And someone like, like, like Sargis, who you're, you're going to hear from in a minute, uh, one of his uh, goals is, is to create a, kind, a Syrian state adequate to defend Christians in the uh, in Iraq and and to some extent elsewhere, and it's a, it's a noble goal, and uh, it needs to be supported. 
and Dr. Kranz, what you're uh, saying, uh, and just to re- reflect what you're saying, we can look at the immigration numbers, and you just uh, gave some statistics as uh, Christians in the Middle East. When you look at the Obama immigration numbers, you just see, um, you know, the the pro-Muslim uh, a narrative that you just talked about uh, actually, you know, co- coming over with these immigration numbers where you have, you know, 10, 15,000 uh, refugees being uh, placed in the U.S. and, and you know, 0.05% of those are Christian. Uh, and when you talked about, you know, the, a 10% population in the Middle East, there's something wrong there. And again, why are the Western countries um, not being not being given the proper information about this one and two, not taking action when they you know what we hear our last statistic we heard is that seventy percent of people in the U.S. polled say they're Christian. Why why the inaction? Why the right? silence? Uh, absolutely. Yes, I mean it's, it's a major problem. It, it it strikes one very much like the Holocaust. If you look around the world in the 1930s, as the Nazis rose to power and then expanded in Europe, there was a similar silence and a similar lack of concern. And that's part of why the Canadian Institute for Jewish Research is trying to do everything it can to make this known. I mean, we've been through that. And uh, we can't stand silently by and watch it happen again. I, it sounds radical, but I, from everything I know and have read, we really are looking at the, the possible elimination of, of Christian groups of all kinds from the Middle East. And the problem isn't only in Iran, Iraq, rather, and in, in Syria, I mean, if you look at um, look around the Middle East, and you look at uh, Pakistan, you look at uh, Lebanon, you look at the Palestinian Authority, Libya, uh, Iran, uh, Yemen, uh, and one can go on. Nigeria in, in Africa with the Boko Haram groups, Indonesia, Sudan, the persecution of Christians in the South Sudan, Sub-Saharan Africa, everywhere you look. Uh, Christians are being persecuted by Islamic countries. Uh, uh, it's a terrible uh, situation. And again, there's, where is the UN on this? We, we hear nothing. Where are, why aren't these murderers uh, and, and genocidaires, as they're called, brought to to the criminal court, the international criminal court? Why aren't there motions against them at the in the uh, Human Rights Council of the United Nations? It, it's a it's a, a scandal. It's a, it's a it's a terrible thing that's going on, and uh, we have to become aware of it, and we have to begin to to do something about it. If I can jump in here, um, and if you want to add to that, and take a look at the fact that the systems that we have, whether it be Department of State, Department of Defense, uh, the, um, Congress, and Congress's only element, I've always said, they can make something legal or illegal. All of them are so bogged down in their own politics that regardless of who is the president of the United States, it continue to allow this to happen. The Syrian numbers have been reduced since 2003 by 90%. Those numbers have been reduced. Initially, it was under the Kurdish regional government, supposedly protection, who literally picked up weapons out of the town of Kerkush, left, turned over the old areas to the ISIS as they abandoned the Christian Assyrians on the battlefield, who they were supposed to protect. Same thing with the Shia government of Iraq. The GOI loaded up on two C-130s, flew out of Mosul. Again, abandoned those individuals. Same thing with the Sunni leadership that was initially given that area to be under their control. 
who literally left for their benefit, but they didn't escape back to Baghdad. They didn't escape to Erbil. They actually went to Syria. So the same leadership has not been brought back. So they escaped into the enemy lines, and they're back. And now we're trying to replace the Christian Assyrians again with the same individuals. Why? Because somebody has said that our formality sales and how we do business with the Department of State is much more important than a 7,000-year-old culture. And frankly, being a person who's been in the system, I know that that's not true because I know how they get money to individuals in Syria. And the way they get that money is through other channels, but they will not do that for the Christian Assyrians who are going through a genocide. They will use every excuse beyond a regulation as to why they cannot do it. And I think it's a shame that in Syria, which is a country itself, they'll go ahead and have a change in the rules, but they will not try to have that change in the rules for Assyrian Christians in Iraq. We have currently 6,000 Assyrian-capable men who are fighting under various different forces. They have come out with a joint statement, and all the churches um, came out with the joint statement while I was there uh, in Iraq in October. The Chaldean, Syriac, and Assyrian churches saying that we are behind this joint effort. They have said multiple times we're willing to work with the Yazidis to jointly protect our areas. But what do we do? We allow the Kurdish regional government to come in, pound all their villages into nothing. We allow the Iraqi government to come in, pound their villages into absolutely nothing. There's no infrastructure. Then we bring their forces in, and we establish those forces as security perimeters in that area. We fund them, allow them to use our taxpayer money to bring what they call their displaced people back, but yet the Christian Assyrians are left to basically try to sell trinkets on the sidewalks in Erbil. Uh, where I was, that's basically how they were living. Uh, this is just an absolute mess created by these institutions who literally are following someone's mandate for that region, and I don't know if those institutions are going to change how they operate, even under the current president coming in. Yeah, one of the one of the really striking things here is the uh, culpability of major Christian churches in the uh, ongoing uh, persecution of uh, Middle Eastern Christians. If you look at outfits like the United Church of uh, Christ, or the World Council of Churches, or the Episcopalians, Congregationalists. Uh, many of the Lutheran churches, uh, the Methodists. Uh, these these are Christian organizations which are not defending their own uh, people in the Middle East. Far from it. What they're busy doing is uh, attacking Israel and 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 becoming centers for broadcasting uh, what is called the new anti-Semitism. Uh, and it's really reprehensible. Uh, the papacy itself, where where is the papacy? Where is Pope Francis in relation to the persecution of uh, Middle Eastern Christians, including uh, Greek Catholic Christians? Uh, if I can add to that, uh, Professor Kranz, as an example, uh, when I was uh, in Iraq, 
I was staying in a hotel in Arbol for a short period for a couple of days, and there was a uh, gentleman there who was a Baptist preacher, um, because I saw him trying to convert two Kurdish men, Kurdish Sunni men, to become followers of what he believes is from the Baptist perspective, Jesus. Now, in those two days that he spent time trying to convert them, he never bothered to step outside the uh, uh, hotel during the nighttime and see that his Christian brethren were basically trying to survive on the streets. He was so focused on what he thought was a mission for his church, mission that he had to convert these two Sunni men to become Baptists. He was just blinded about the fact that he needs to support others. Now, when I spoke to those Kurdish men when he wasn't present, the reality as what struck me was that uh, they really wanted to find a way to get to the States. And for them, they honestly thought that that was a way for them to be able to come to the United States. So you got this Baptist preacher who's preaching to these two men who thinks that they're really more interested by conversion, who's not paying attention to what's happening to all these Assyrian Christian displaced um, Christians that are outside the hotel. Uh, and uh, those two men were more interested in using it as a platform to try to come to the United States than understanding that they're going to change your religious perspective at age of 34 and 42. So what happens is the churches get so bogged down in taking care of themselves and their institutions that they don't understand that they need to unite collectively to help each other. As an example, I've said it before, the Catholic Church opened up a uh, university in Erba, which is under the Kurdish regional government. Well, they didn't open up that university in order to convert Kurdish men Sunni men to become Catholics. They converted it. They established it there in order to be able to solidify their footprint and what they think is where their church is being destroyed. The Christian churches have united if the outside Western churches understand and the fact that they recently came to the table and said we have a joint force. We want our joint force supported. We're not military personnel, as far as the uh, Patriarch of the Church of the East is concerned, or the Syriac Bishop in Iraq, uh, or the Chaldean Patriarch, but we will join behind this so-called joint force to hopefully we can get to a point where it becomes a united force in order to, to allow these displaced people come back, govern their areas in a certain name of plan, which is our historical homeland. But yet, who's funding them? United States, where is the funding going to come from? Who's going to finally say it's time to at least support this joint force effort? Right, right. You know, it's, uh, I, I would hasten to add, I'm not condemning, you know, far from it, all Christians or Christianity in general. There are wonderful Christian groups which are working very hard to deal with this situation and to do something about it. Uh, you, you think of something like the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, the ICEJ, which has uh, 80 chapters all over the world in the U.S. and Canada, which does remarkable work. Uh, there is the um, the uh, American Christian Leaders for Israel group, ACCI, which does great work. And then uh, 
uh, Reverend Hagee's outfit called Kufi, Christians United for Israel, uh, Christian evan- evangelical movement, much of it, is, is, is conscious of what's going on. Is, and where you find that Christians are pro-Israel, you find also that they are clearly uh, pro-defense of Christian rights in the Middle East and elsewhere. Uh, but we we're facing, I think we're facing a, uh, a very real and, and deeply rooted problem because much of the problem is, it, 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 part of what's going on is called de-Christianization. It's been going on since the Enlightenment, the 18th century. Uh, increasingly secular values replacing religious values. Uh, and in fact, in, in much of the uh, liberal world today, Christianity is a problem. And there are attacks on Christianity, attacks on, on faith-based uh, movement and, and people. And it's in that context, I think, that, that conscious uh, Jewish people and Christian people have an identity of interest uh, and, and really have to uh, valorize one another, recognize each other, and work together. Uh, we're talking about Western civilization. And Western civilization is a product of the Judeo-Christian tradition. It's where it comes from. Uh, Sargis knows this very well. He, he knows his, his Tanakh. He knows the the Hebrew Bible and the role of uh, a prophecy and the role of uh, the notion of speaking truth to power and, and the idea of all men are brothers. It cuts a Judaic idea which is picked up by early Christianity. Uh, uh, so we have an, an identity of interest. And one of the striking things, I think, about the modern world is that the only place in the modern world, and certainly in the Middle East, and it may even be in the West, where Christianity, where the Christian population is growing, is the Jewish state of Israel. I mean, it's, it's a striking phenomenon. Uh, it's almost as if biblical prophecy about uh, the role of, of the Jews in the coming of world peace uh, is taking on flesh in our in our own time. It's quite striking. This, as far as I'm concerned, I, I cannot think of a more important uh, geopolitical topic to, to be talking about than this. And it's amazing to me that that, and I do not take this the wrong way, but it's amazing that the silence from the the Western churches, yet you, a member of well, the head of the Canadian Institute for Jewish Jewish Research in Canada, you're speaking out and, and doing what the Western churches have not done, and and, and that's you know sending the warning bells. Um, what about some? Just, I mean, there's got to be numbers here that people have to, um, when they hear, they should be shaking in their boots. And I know you've probably got some numbers. Uh, you had said said some numbers earlier about the number of Christians being killed in the Middle East and Syria, and you know, Christianity, ten percent of the population. Uh, we've got about three minutes left of uh, this segment. So, are there any? Well, I, 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 maybe Sargis has some more stats. I would, in, in, with a few minutes remaining, I would, I would simply say that there is a sense, I mean, to me, uh, in which the recent American election is is almost providential. I think the uh, election of Trump uh, and what he seems to represent—not him as a person, uh, but but the counter statements to contemporary uh, radical liberalism and secularism that he embodies and the movement embodies uh, are very hopeful for the future. I think the the, uh, critique of political correctness, which is a mind-numbing kind of uh, uh, lack of 
critical intelligence, uh, you know, and a sort of knee-jerk uh, liberalism. It, 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 to, to critique this, to reject it, to elect uh, someone who is against it is a, a great uh, step forward. I, I speak as a university professor, uh, a teacher. Uh, our campuses, uh, there are many, many wonderful people on our campuses, but the campuses are also the locus of BDS, of the, the, the movement against uh, Israel. That's a simple anti-Semitic movement, and uh, it's popular is, on campus. Uh, doctor and, and Lieutenant Colonel, okay. doctor, can, can we twist your arm for ten more minutes of your time? Or sure, are you, are you sure, sure, Okay, sure. all right. Yeah. We're uh, against the break right now, uh, three-minute break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined with Dr. Krantz and Lieutenant Colonel Singari on the Hagman and Hagman Report right after this. Hagman and Hagman Report. We are joined with Lieutenant Colonel Sargis Singari, as well as Dr. Frederick Krantz for the next few minutes. Doctor, while we have you, can you uh, again tell people um, about your latest book and where they can find you on the internet? Well, you can you can check me out on uh, you can Google me, and I do uh, many different things. I, I my major field was uh, I was trained in European intellectual history, and particularly in the Italian Renaissance. And I wrote a book on uh, on the Italian Renaissance in comparison with 17th century Holland. I did this book on uh, popular movements in uh, Europe in the 18th and 19th century called History from Below. Um, I published in the History of Anti-Semitism. And uh, in recent years, uh, in part because of the problem of American policy in the world, I became more and more interested in World War II and in uh, the kind of America that was able to fight the war on two fronts and defeat fascism and uh, defeat the Japanese and the Nazis with half the population and one quarter of the resources we have today, the, great, the greatest generation, that, whole, that kind of stuff. So by all means, uh, check me out and uh, look, you can come to my, my institute. If you go to uh, CIJR at Israelnet.org, CIJR at Israelnet.org, that'll bring you to our, our website, which will explain who we are and, and what we do and uh, very importantly our work with students before the commercial I was talking about campuses and uh, one of the things that the Canadian Institute for Jewish Research does is to work with students on campus and not only Jewish students by the way non-Jewish students as well and um, in that regard I would read to you just to give you a moment just a, a sentence from a recent piece by Clifford May who uh, works with the Foundation for Defense of Democracy and in this piece, uh, May points out the following, and I quote him, On America's campuses, so-called activists are deeply concerned about trigger warnings and microaggressions and so on. But the massacres of Christians in Muslim lands, by contrast, seem to trouble them not at all. Unquote. And I would say by extension, many on our campuses are not troubled by uh, the lack of concern with uh, anti growing anti-Semitism on campus, uh, with attacks on the uh, very existence of uh, the democratic Jewish state of Israel. And we should be very clear that BDS, boycott, uh, divest, and sanction, is pointed at uh, delegitimating Israel, which makes it possible to destroy Israel as a state. If the state isn't legitimate, 
like every other state in the United Nations, then it's legitimate to destroy it, which is, of course, the general thrust of Arab <coughs> Arab politics to this day. So I, I, our campuses are a big problem. Uh, the, the larger culture is a problem. Campuses are not ivory towers. They are the, the places where future culture, future ideas are fought out and, and where they become hegemonic. So what happens on campuses is crucial, and if freedom of expression, uh, if respect for the other, for true diversity, is lost on campus, uh, then our society is in peril. Uh, I think we're, we're looking at a, a, a grave threat to Western civilization, which has emerged in uh, the period from the 70s and 80s onward. <coughs> well, uh, Hello? Yep. Yeah. That, thank you for for uh, sharing all that. And that's um, again, folks. This is Doctor Frederick Krantz. And you, you, you know, can, Joe. I I think the money quote here was: we've got a bunch of of flippin' snowflakes in in the in, in these 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 campuses across America who who can't get. I mean, they wear they wear diaper pins on their lapels. Or, well, they don't even have lapels. They wear diaper and diaper pins. They're more concerned. Um, about these microaggressions, as doctor, uh, as the doctor said, it, it, yet yet we have wholesale genocide, and it's frustrating to even think about this and to even talk about this. History is being, I, I, I'm, I'm, but you, I'm you, almost, you, I'm a, you realize you realize history is no longer being taught. Yes, there yeah, are, on, on many campuses, you. you you cannot even take a course in the history of Western civilization. They don't we, exist. It, it just that just boggles my mind. I mean, yes, I, and, and anything that, that would um, uh, be characterized as history, in my view, is is nothing more than uh, uh, than revisionist history, where the Jew and excuse me for saying this, and I, and I'm so sick and tired of seeing this on the internet. I'm so, I'm tired of I'm tired of the indictment of the Jewish. People for everything from 9/11 to uh, whatever the latest uh, malady might be. It's not. It's not the the anti-Semitism has got to stop. And here we have. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't want to go on on a rant, but but yes, you, you made some excellent points here. How can we best help you, Professor? How can we best help well, you? Exactly what exactly what you're doing now. The kind of um, programming seems to me that you're doing and bringing someone on like Sargis. Sargis is a remarkable person because he is both uh, a thinking mind, an intellectual, he is familiar with theology, but he's also a, an officer, he has been an officer in the United States Army, and he is a man of immense experience, and he's fought, he, he's been in, in Iraq, uh, and he's been in Afghanistan, and he knows what he's talking about, and he has confronted uh, evil. Uh, when he spoke in Toronto last week, I mean, one of the things he said was that we are we are facing evil, but we're not prepared to deal with it because we really our culture has so developed that we don't know what evil is, and therefore we can't respond. I mean, <coughs> a major question here is why this lack of awareness, concern, uh, outrage uh, on the part of the population and uh, much of the population, not all, but much. But also on the part of our government, our elected government. Have we heard one speech by the President of the United States condemning the persecution of Christians in the Middle East? Anything? No, in great uh, 
which is why I think again uh, that the the election is so very important. It's not so much that me personally, I personally think that Trump is the best thing since sliced bread. I just think it was crucial that the the uh, the Democratic Party be defeated, that the liberals, extreme liberals, be defeated, uh, that there be a change in government uh, and a shaking up of things. And we may see, we may see, and never know, because we shouldn't be too overconfident about politics as they're currently waged. But we, we really may see, and I hope that we will see some substantial changes which can play a role in in waking up the population. But what you people do on a program like yours, I think, is a great uh, what we call a, a mitzvah, a great a great good deed, and uh, more of that has to be done. Uh, Sargis has to be supported. People should be supporting his uh, Assyrian fund. He's got a movement now to raise money to support the, the Assyrian people in and around Mosul and the Nineveh Plain, and, and people should donate. And maybe he can tell us a little bit about that as long as he's, he's here with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Professor Krantz. Much appreciated. Um, um, uh, I mean, I, I cannot say any any better. I know that you referenced the Toronto speech, and part of uh, what we discussed there is that uh, you know I truly, being on the ground, I've seen evil, and it's put me outside of my comfort zone. So I've fought against it and it's tried to kill me physically on the battlefield, and I had to kill it. Uh, the problem is people who live in the West don't have to go through that process. Even the churches who preach about good and evil don't, haven't faced evil. They don't understand what is happening. Uh, nobody's coming into your church and killing your parishioners uh, and burning your church or uh, decapitating you. Uh, it's just not happening, so you don't face it, you don't understand it, and over a period of years and years and years. Um, and I, I think one thing that I said in Toronto was that you, if you haven't experienced it, uh, that is a prerequisite in order to personalize the realities of that email, um, so that you're not out inside of that comfort zone anymore. And unfortunately, the um, uh, Assyrian church has been devastated because uh, it was a Assyrian church that was mentioned in Peter 1 uh, that uh, actually took on the mantles of Christianity when uh, God sent Jonah to uh, Nineveh. He never sent jo uh, any any of his um, uh, prophets to any other nation to preach except when they preached inside of Israel or when he sent them to Assyri to Nineveh to preach to the Assyrians who converted to Christianity. And they took this mantle of Judeo-Christian values that we call today and the Judeo-tenants and spread it throughout the Middle East. All of Iraq was Christian. Uh, they spread it all the way down into uh, as, as far east to Africa, as far south to uh, the Arabian Peninsula, uh, as far east, I should say, uh, into the uh, uh, India, uh, China and Japan. Uh, the reason why we're Christians today is because of the root of Christianity. And what is happening in the Middle East is that evil uh, militates around good. That's why they tried to destroy Israel, and they've been trying to do it for the past 68 years. That's why they're out there trying to destroy the root of Christianity, which are the Assyrians. Because, as I've said it before, they know exactly what they have to do to kill the possible peace in the future, not just in that region, a blessing in the region, as God has called it, 
when you have uh, Egypt, Israel, and Assyria established in the region. But uh, to be able to wipe out this blessing, this capability of having this Western democracy that is in pockets that exist in Israel today, that could exist in an area where you have Assyrians controlling their own destiny, where you have Armenia that is controlling his own destiny, where you have Lebanon pocket of Christianity that is controlling their own destiny. And unfortunately, if we do not do anything about it, uh, then I think it's going to be a, uh, not just a bad reflection on the United States. The U.S. has to take credit for allowing the destruction of the root of Christianity in the Middle East under his watch. He cannot blame anyone yeah, else. One of the things that has to be recognized here is uh, the role of Islam in the events that we're looking at. And the, uh, you know, uh, we have a president, <coughs> sorry, we have a president who refuses to pr pronounce the two words Islamic terrorism uh, for fear that, uh, I, I gather, for fear that uh, this will uh, infuriate the, the Islamic world even further. But I don't think you can deal with evil without naming it. Uh, that seems a fundamental proposition. And um, where you have Islam, historically, you have the notion of, of uh, infidels and you have the notion that Christians and Jews are jimmy, they're subject people, they're people of the book, they're allowed to exist but they are subordinate and they have to pay the, uh, the jizya, they have to pay the, the head tax uh, and, and so on they're kufar, they're, 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 they're infidel, they're, they're subordinate second rate, inferior and that attitude uh, is something that permeates much of the situation of Christians uh, and earlier of Jews and, and by the way is part of the the reason why a Jewish state is is unacceptable to so many Arab uh, Muslim countries, including the Palestinian Authority, uh, because Jews are supposed to be subordinate. They're not supposed to be sovereign, uh, and they're not supposed to exist on land which was once yours or which you claim. This is uh, the height of impertinence, and it is uh, to be opposed. Now, I'm not saying that all all Muslims are vicious, evil killers. Certainly, not all Muslims are terrorists, and so on. But uh, all terrorists are Muslim, and there is some uh, connection there that should be made. Uh, we shouldn't be fearful of making it, and we shouldn't be uh, uh, cowed into non-critical thinking by being accused of Islamophobia. You know, that, that's an absurdity. We have to think clearly and humanly, and we have to be humane, uh, but we are a, a sovereign Western uh, country, in the U.S. or or in Canada, <coughs> and we have to think clearly. We can't act clearly if we don't think clearly. And I'm reminded here of something I brought up at the Toronto conference last week, and that is that the great uh, observation of the the wonderful Jewish philosopher Emil Fackenheim, F-A-C-K-E-N-H-E-I-M. Emil Fackenheim passed away about 11 years ago. Uh, he, he, he wrote a book in which he said, you know, the, the Hebrew Bible, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he wrote on the Holocaust. And he was a major supporter of Christian-Jewish dialogue as well. And, and in writing about the Holocaust, he observed that in, our, in the Hebrew Bible there are 613 commandments, 613 mitzvot. There are the ten major commandments, but there are a whole series of other uh, commandments which an Orthodox Jew is, is enjoined to, to perform. And he invented 
a, a 614th commandment. And the 614th commandment is, Thou shalt not give posthumous victories to Hitler. No posthumous victories to Hitler. That is to say, we have to defend humanity, we have to defend human values. Of course, for Jews, we have to maintain our Judaism and, and defend ourselves against anti-Semitism. But the 614th commandment has a much larger human import, I think. And that, that is, uh, you have to fight viciousness. You have to fight evil. You have to overcome it. And that is a cultural work. Uh, that is a religious work. But it is also a political work. It's a political work. When you're dealing with uh, the IS movement, or ISIS, or Daesh, in, in Iraq and Syria, you're dealing with evil. Uh, there's nothing else to call it. it, it, it uh, Hitler was evil. And, and this is evil. These are people who murder others because they're, they're slightly different, uh, who, who take delight in this, uh, cutting off people's heads and, and killing children. It has to be crushed. It has to be dealt with. It can't be allowed to spread. And that is a work of civilization. And I, I think to some extent we, we have forgotten that. We have forgotten that uh, power has to be used in the interest of the good, as well as, of course, used badly in the interest of the evil. No, Dr. Kranz, you're exactly right. And I think uh, the Lieutenant Colonel Sangari said it best when he talked about you know, getting out of that comfort zone, uh, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, you could say, uh, for people in the Western world not to have to face, you know, what what you talked about, uh, Colonel, about, you know, people coming into your church and setting it on fire and, and beheading, you know, the uh, your, your fellow congregants there, and you don't have to stand up and fight that, so you're in a comfort zone, and the uh, levels of evil... Uh, are not in in your reality and in your uh, perspective, and uh, as you said, uh, Doctor, we can't be indifferent to the evil. We have to confront it, regardless of what level of evil um, we are up against. And and many of us feel helpless here um, in in America. You know, sitting back and um, wondering what we can do to help. And and you guys have have laid out um, how you're helping and how how our listeners can help you and I want to thank you very much for doing that and um, you know what um, well we have both of you here um, Turkey if we can talk about Turkey for a second what is your guys' opinion of their real agenda because we see Russia taking an active role and we see the US taking an active role saying one thing obviously doing the opposite but what's Turkey's real objective in this, as we see them taking a more active role in the talks and the um, the two nations of Iraq and Syria. Well, I I, um, I think Sargis probably knows more than I do, but just let me say that um, Turkey has played a very negative role in Syria because Turkey, from the beginning, has supposedly opposed uh, Assad, <laughs> but it has done very little to overthrow him. In fact. And Turkey has allowed, they allowed in the early years, IS uh, to, to penetrate through their borders and set up their uh, evil state, their evil caliphate in, um, in uh, northeastern uh, Syria. So, uh, and of course, Erdogan is an Islamist, Sunni, 
Islamist, and uh, he has moved to uh, uh, take over Turkey to create a, an Islamic, uh, functionally an Islamic uh, authoritarian quasi-dictatorship. Uh, it's not even clear that there was a real rising against him. Uh, there are certain scholars who argue he actually manipulated that rising so he could, in fact, you know, tromp down on it and impose his final uh, sort of dictatorship. So I think Turkey plays a very uh, <coughs> equivocal and unbalanced uh, negative role, even though Turkey is, of course, a member of NATO. Uh, but it certainly isn't um, uh, playing a creative role in trying to bring uh, uh, a decent ending to the Syrian thing. Far from it. Um, just to kind of add on to that, Doctor, um, when uh, I was down in downrange in Iraq between 7th and 27th of October, Turkey had moved uh, uh, three of its uh, uh, armored heavy brigades uh, along the lines that were extending roughly between Cesare and Hakkari, and, and that was opposite to where Iraq is, which is opposite of Zahu and Darok. In Iraq, and he uh, his commando air assault brigade was on short notice. Um, his uh, goal was when he introduced forces into Iraq, and there's a, Turkish forces in Iraq. Um, and I don't know if that's understood by some of the listeners uh, that it was to cut off the west of the Mosul Dam area we talk about, uh, trying to stay out of Mosul, but uh, had towards Talafar, and Talafar is where we have the Hashishabi, which are now recognized by the Iraqi government as being their security apparatus. What they want to do is designate them as their anti-terrorism force capabilities. Uh, he had moved his ancient howitzers into the area and his uh, Italian helicopter gunships. Hmm. Now, with that said, that's a tactical piece, right? How's that working? When we announced that we're going to start the Mosul clearing operations, majority of the high leadership in ISIS escaped. How did they escape? Where did they escape to? They didn't escape into Syria. They escaped through the Kurdish regional government lines and literally went into the cities of Dohuk, drove into Erbil, and everybody's uh, familiar with what I'm talking about. It's almost a two-hour drive, <laughs> and uh, flew on into Turkey. Um, they're a NATO ally, but they've been going back and forth. We realized when we killed uh, the leadership of the financial leadership of ISIS in um, uh, Syria that uh, Turkey was buying oil, which was uh, ISIS oil. And there were, that oil was being transported right, through right, yeah. uh, Lebanese-plated trucks through the Kurdish regional government area into Turkey. And they were selling it on the on the market. So, uh, you know, all the stuff is now open source. But now, here it is recently when uh, Europe came back and said that we're going to have to put a hold on our discussions whether Turkey should enter the EU. He literally threatened again that he's going to open up his borders and they're going to have to deal with the refugees. He's using the refugees as a weapon system in order to hold uh, Europe hostage in order to get billions of euros from them. So this is your ally in the region, and this is an ally that now is going to probably try to fight a proxy war uh, in Iraq because Iran has pretty much expanded its footprint thanks to our you know previous administration uh, providing you know uh, targeting support for them to be able to have a footprint in the region to where they are now in the Syrian plane also. Well, he's the guy who Obama called his most reliable ally in the Middle East. 
which... Uh, he was, but that same ally was the one who turned around and said, I want you to right. give me the uh, Muslim cleric that is sitting, uh, Gulan, that is sitting in the United States. So, uh, you know, he plays, he, he's a bully in the region and uses his capabilities to threaten Europe, to threaten the region, and at the same time, ISIS operators have moved in and out from his borders. Uh, and let's not forget that it was Turkey in World War I uh, that massacred the Armenians, the uh, Assyrians, 750,000 Assyrians were killed uh, because of Turkish uh, genocide, the first genocide of the 20th century, and Greeks, and the majority of the ones who actually carried out those killings were the uh, Sunni Muslim Kurds who have always uh, been uh, guided uh, based on where they sit geographically uh, by Turkey when it comes to what Turkey wants to do in that region, foot-wise. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a weak read in so far as do, doing justice in the Middle East is concerned. Indeed. Exactly. Wow. Well, uh, folks, uh, you're listening to Lieutenant Colonel Sardis Sangari and also... Uh, Dr. Frederick Kranz from isranet.org and wh- what a tremendous gift uh, to our audience uh, the, the, the knowledge that's being passed here, the information that's being passed along here uh, I know uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Kranz that you're uh, a busy guy and we kept you longer than you had agreed upon and for which we thank you so much and uh, we're going to continue. Our, yeah. You know, we're going to continue on with uh, with Lieutenant Colonel Sangari, and anything we can do to help you, we're going to be linking to your site as well, and um, following along with your with with your information. But I want to, uh, as a, as a Christian in America, I want to say thank you to a Jewish Canadian well, enterprise. Thank you, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you for what you do, and Sargis Lila Tov. Thank you, thank you, Professor. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Thank you, Professor Krantz. Much appreciated. And I have to tell you guys, Professor Grant Krantz has done a wonderful job. The uh, Canadian uh, uh, Institute for Jewish Research really works off of uh, uh, is, you know uh, funding that comes from uh, various different uh, individuals who are interested in what they're able to provide service-wise. So you know, uh, just like the United Syrian Appeal that. Uh, raises money for the multi families of the Syrians that are fighting to keep the root of Christianity alive. Same thing for them. Uh, we are individuals who are basically working off of out of pocket trying to uh sustain these efforts. Um, yeah. you, you guys you know, individually but collectively you guys are act like force multipliers uh with one another. And, and it's it's just amazing. Folks you're listening to um Lieutenant Colonel Sangari, NEC, well, Near East uh, Center for Strategic it, it, Engagement. It, thank you. I'm, I'm NEC com right. is the website. And uh, what he again, want to thank Dr. Uh, Frederick Krantz for for staying a half hour over overtime. Um, but when Fantastic. we come back, Lieutenant Colonel Sangari for the final thirty minutes. To close out this uh, segment, wow. this very informative segment, talking about Iraq, talking about Syria, ISIS, and how this um, chaos continues to unravel in the Middle East, where it is, where it's going, and where it, uh, it should head. Right after this, stay with us.
Hagman and the Hagman Reporters. We uh, walk into our final segment here uh, with Lieutenant Colonel Sergeant Sangari. Uh, you know, the information that you're listening to this evening in this particular broadcast is so critical because, um, as you heard, you know, history is not being taught in the, in, in the classroom. We're watching history unfold through the mass genocide of Christi- Christians, the removal of Christianity, essentially the the wiping out of Christianity in the Middle East. And uh, look who the players are that are behind this. And you have to ask ask yourself why, to what end. And, of course, there's a lot of biblical prophecy built into this. I certainly believe that. Now, before we get back to our guest, we, if, if listeners might recall we had... Uh, uh, Cindy from Water by Cindy on here not too long ago to discuss uh, her water system, and I've got to tell you that we are we have been using this water system. If you go to waterbycindy.com, that's waterbycindy.com. This is one of the most amazing water filter or water treatment uh, uh, products I've ever seen because you can actually change the pH in water uh, from you can. Uh, you can have pure drinking water, that, uh, or or you can actually adjust the device uh, and adjust the pH. And, and what that does is it creates uh, a higher, well, it creates different pHs, but uh, you can actually turn your water into, uh, well, when you wash vegetables, for example, you can create the, the exact pH necessary to wash vegetables and to create, or to, to, uh, Eliminate all of the toxins from the vegetables just by soaking them. I've seen this, and, and and I've watched this work with amazement. But it provides pure drinking water on a daily basis. Save tons of money in bottled water, filtered water, that you know other filtered water. This is an amazing product. Waterbycindy.com. Waterbycindy.com. And if you go there, make sure you let them know that uh, you heard it on the Hagman report. You're going to be hearing so much more about this. Waterbycindy.com. Uh, I, I, I can, well, look, investigate this. This is, again, the, the real, the, the, the real deal when it comes to treating water and making water into something that's, that's drinkable, that's, uh, pure, that is actually, uh, will work on uh, a number of different levels for whatever your needs are. Waterbycindy.com, waterbycindy.com. Joe, I'll kick it back to you, sir. Yeah, um, since 8 o'clock, we've been joined by Lieutenant Colonel uh, Sangari. We're talking about uh, Iraq, Syria. We're talking about the Assyrian Christian population that has been decimated by ISIS and the Western forces that have been uh, backing it. Um uh, Mr. Sangari, I got a question from a listener here, and uh, it's about ISIS. And why have we seen uh, so many women from Europe and a few from the U.S. join or wanting to join ISIS? Can you give us some? Well, the uh, recruiting process. Yeah, look, uh, there's certain tenants and certain philosophies that lead to what we've been talking about, these concepts of evil. And it doesn't matter where you are. Those concepts, um, depending on the tenets that are taught to you, how you absorb them, um, can lead you to become a terrorist and wanting to join to be a terrorist. Um, 
that's just a reality. Um, and, and the recruiting process is all the same. It doesn't matter what age group you fall in. But one of the problems that we are running into from the United States is concerned because we don't understand. Let's take an example. We're talking about Syria, how the fabric works uh, of a certain location. We have no concept about the history of Syria. We know absolutely nothing about it. Yet we are pouring money, sacrificing our young Navy SEALs to die on the battlefield to support what? Destruction of the current government, let's say. Okay, yeah, Assad is there. No, there's no clear goal. Yeah. There's no clear goal. There's no end state. When I am a soldier who dies and there's no end state, and when I have no clue what the State Department wants to do in the region, and the State Department has pretty much washed their hands under the current administration of what's happening in Syria, uh, it tells me that you have absolutely no care about what is happening to your own folks. Our guys are precious to us. They shouldn't just die on the battlefield if you don't have an end state. You don't have a political objective you want to achieve in the region. Okay, you want to get rid of Assad. What reason? Who can better clean up Assad in the region than Assad can? Okay? Now, if he is doing the same thing that Saddam did, which was to kill and uh, oppress these Islamic radicals, then what would be the problem if you allow him to do it? Now, you say, no, Assad has to be gone because he's a evil guy. Well, he crossed the red line. What did you do about it when he crossed the red line by using chemical weapons? Nothing. So, if you're going to do nothing, and your credibility is already shot when you decide to do nothing, then why don't you allow the individuals who understand the fabric of how Syria is established to clean itself out? That means you have to allow the people that are currently in charge of the region to do their job. Don't meddle in the region. That doesn't mean you have to leave and get rid of your footprint. It seems that the current administration uh, might be working much closer with the Russians who are themselves struggling in the region. But as we fought in World War II on the same side to destroy the Nazi Germans, there's nothing that says that a new alignment cannot be done with Western powers to go after the ultimate enemy that we're all facing, which is this radicalization and this Islamic radicals are out there. And the fact is that these young women and young men that are joining in Europe and are trying to even go into Syria to, to fight on the ground, these individuals come from a certain philosophy. And it's not that difficult to turn them into fanatics. And now, when you turn around and you see that the fabric of those societies are destroyed, I don't care. You could bring them here. You could make them American citizens. You could give them a job. They will always remember the fact that the only reason they're here is because we absolutely messed in a region where we shouldn't have messed in the way we did. Okay? And uh, I don't know if that really answers that young lady's you know, question, but... It's it's the philosophy. Now look, when I was in Toronto, I told them that the Judeo-Christian heritage is what has provided the philosophical and political foundations upon which the American Republic and the Canadian Confederation, all the free societies of modern world were constructed on. The Assyrians, when they took on the mantle of Christianity 2,000 years ago, 
were the ones who embarked on this mission in order to be able to fulfill their calling, which was to spread Christianity throughout their region. And they did so. And this is where they became the bridge between that first covenant, or the old covenant, as we say, on the Christian side, with the Jewish people and the um, uh, and Christianity, the Christian covenant, that we all supposedly believe in, and the churches are supposed to preach about. So the Assyrians truly became this bridge between the ancient Israel and modern Christianity throughout the world, and by doing so became bound to, the, to Israel. Uh, and uh, became the lead of world Christianity. The reason they're being killed is because of that reason. The reason they're being eradicated is because of that reason. And the reason why Israel is under uh, tremendous pressure, has been attacked for the past 68 years, is because of the same reasons. This is, if you want to call it a philosophy, the only philosophy that allows you to have actual true democracies in our region is these Judeo-Christian tenets that we're talking about. And as you start wiping those out, whether it be in France, in um, uh, England, in the United States, then another philosophy is going to take that vacuum, and the philosophy that are going to take that vacuum is the same philosophy that is uh, allowing Islamic radicals to dictate what they believe are the Islamic tenets. They should be used to crucify, kill, maim, butcher, rape, certain Christian women, children. When they cook a child in an oven and feed him to his mother and their family members, this is not made up. This is actual report on the ground of what they're doing. You can't call that evil. You are devoid of humanity and you're not a Christian just go join whatever club you want to join you live on a separate planet if that doesn't bother you and you say that that's not my issue to deal with then obviously you have no role for humanity on this planet individually you know I I, I, I was speaking to the folks in Toronto and I uh, refer to the first question that man ever asked God, and I know that the last time he had talked, uh, the commander tried to, uh, you know, look into that specific request. The first challenge that was placed by man to God was when uh, Abel uh, was killed by Cain. And Cain asked uh, God, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And uh, God came back to him and said, what have you done? Your brother's blood is crying. Same thing. The Syrian uh, brother's blood is crying out of the ground that it was opened up to receive uh, his blood, her blood. What are you doing about it individually? What are you doing about it? Tonight, after this broadcast is over, you're going to go to sleep. You're going to get up the next morning, watch your sports programs maybe, watch the news, go back to work. You're not going to care. If you truly care and you want to save the Assyrian Christians, which is the root of Christianity, so that that evil doesn't come to the United States, so that evil, you don't have to ask the questions like the young lady is asking us, why is it joining, um, uh, you know, uh, converting its uh, mentality or self-radicalizing itself in Europe and going to join, you know, uh, the rest of its evil brethren to kill and maim others, then you need to 
save the root of Christianity. Those Syrians need a place. They have force capabilities. Give them the training and the equipment you're giving to their enemies who are killing them, who are abandoning them on the battlefield, who are now replacing them with their own ethnicities and Assyrian them a plane. This is on an American's watch. Look, America is not just this piece of land property that you see on a map with borders and now we may build walls that says this piece of terrain is America. That piece of terrain has nothing to do with America. America is an individual's. Mm. It is what you believe in. When, the, when our founding fathers in this country were looking at all these concepts of enlightenment, religious theology, Judeo-Christian values, they didn't know how to grasp all these ideals, these things we talk about in academia, and try to encompass them in what an American would be after they received their freedom. And they realized the only place they could basically make it come true is in the individual. So what happens from the time the individual is born to the time he dies? He should have the right to free speech. He should have a right to be able to bear arms to defend himself. And every single thing that came through the Constitution that we have established and every single thing that we have debated over years to be where we are as a society today is a captured in an American. So when a Christian Assyrian is dead in the Middle East because you as an American, whether you're in a State Department job, saying yes sir, yes ma'am to your boss who is an incompetent, I'm sorry, uh, individual, who's freaking absolutely destroying the root of Christianity in the Middle East. When you're a Department of Defense person and you're freaking following those rules, when you're somebody who's sitting in Department of Justice, you, you're justifying why the Christians of the Middle East should be, be killed by giving weapons to the people who are killing them, then the reality becomes that you have forgotten what it means to be an American. You are really not an American. Amen. You, you have Amen. abandoned God your concepts. Exactly. We are more than a, a, a piece of real estate. We are an ideology. We, we are a, a. Thank you for for saying that. For articulating that. Um, just a couple of kind of wrap up questions here, uh, Lieutenant Colonel. I. We, Joe had asked me, or Joe had handed me a note. Uh, what about the UN? I know America's place. We got, we got that. America's absence. We understand that. The the silence. Uh, don't accept it, but but see it. What about UN? Especially the UN. with the new security uh, yeah. secretary general uh, Antonio uh, Gutierrez um, and his socialist tyrannical. Um, what do you, yeah. What do you acts. expect from that, if anything? The UN briefed the Syrian Christians on the uh, on 26 February of this year uh, that the areas which are Syrian in the plain were going to be used to build camps to be able to take care of the refugees that are directly coming out of the Mosul fight. That was a year today when the Harbor River Valley, when the Syrian Christians only had 38 villages in Syria, were cleared out. So instead of talking about bringing Assyrian displaced people to settle in those areas, they designated areas that they were going to bring others, which are non-Assyrians, and settle them in the Syrian plain. On the day 
year removed from when the Suriname plane, uh, I should say the harbor rally um, and villages were cleared out. This is the UN. Uh, when I was in Jordan, we dealt with the refugees in, uh, in Jordan. Uh, for them to go through the process of being recognized to maybe even having their package be looked at by the United States government is almost taken a year. Uh, one of the families that we met there, um, the family members were accepted, but the husband, because he was uh, during the um, U.S. invasion in the Iraqi army, um, they asked them eight times or four times to come back, and they interrogated him literally for eight hours. This is UNHCR. He had to draw them pictures and layout of what the bathrooms and his headquarters of the unit he served with looked like in Iraq. Mm. And they, they didn't let him take a bathroom break. They didn't let him eat. This is a process they put him through. They didn't tell him when their case was going to be resolved for him. When his wife went to the UN in Jordan uh, headquarters trying to get an answer, five times she sat there for four hours and nobody even opened the door to talk to her. Finally, somebody saw her and said, you know, I've seen you multiple times here. Let's take a look at your case. This is your UN. And these are actually very capable people who actually care about this process. Oh, man. Okay. Sad. That answers okay. that question. That, that that fully answers that, that question indeed. All right. What can we best do to help you, Lieutenant Colonel? What what must we do? What can we do as a as a listening audience, as a as a platform to help you? Well, first thing for us, I'm gonna be honest and as embarrassing as a lieutenant colonel twenty years serving in the US Army, I gotta actually say, you know, Guys, gals, if you can, please donate to the United Assyrian Appeal because that's the only way we can sustain these families downrange. But it is what it is. My government's not doing anything to help them out. Millions are going to who? To people that were trying to kill my friends when I was downrange. Congratulations. There's your enduring ally. I mean, they should all be fired. Every single one should be fired. Um, but, you know, United Australian Appeal uh, is where we need donation and support. The other thing I would say, pick up the phone, call your congressman, and say to the congressman, what are you going to do in order to support this joint force that the Christians have agreed upon? Are you going to fund them directly, or are you going to hide behind the fact that formality sales process that State Department has and that the uh, sex state advocates for that budget has to go still to the same individuals in the GOI who are now resettling that area for their benefit. Or the Kurdish regional government who are actually abandoning that area and are flipping those areas for a price for the GOI to have. Right. The other thing I would do is pick up the phone and call the main media press and say, listen, why are you not asking these questions? Why isn't anybody over there asking that uh, how come these uh, villages have been destroyed after declaring operations? How come the Shabak villages stands uh, without any destruction, but the Syrian village next to it was completely destroyed? The same army went and cleared it. What happened? And then I would say again, we need money for support for the uh, United Assyrian Appeal. I, I cannot sustain this fight any other way. I'm sorry to ask, but we have no other choice. 
I don't think I don't think apologies are even needed. It is what it is, as you state, and you know we all have a choice who we support, who we um, who we uh, who we assist, who we support, and this having had, having spoken with you in, in August and, and having uh, watched everything unfold since your first appearance and now this appearance, it's it's more important today more than ever in my in my belief that we that we support your efforts. Um, because it's not going to get done any other way. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, it saddens me. Uh, four months, really, three and a half months after your first appearance, here we are, and and it's it seems to only have been getting worse in the deafening silence from our our Christian. Uh, I, I would say, folks listening to this, t- t- take take the link to to your pastors. Take the video or the audio video to your pastors, and. We need to, we need a grassroots effort. There's a lot of things, a lot of initiatives, but this is an important one. Wow. If, if anybody wants to hear us speak, I can come to any church and, you know, educate them. That's what the Near East Center tries to do, to educate them. Yeah. And let them make the choice. Eventually, I mean, you, at the end of the day, you have to make the choice, but look, uh, the root of Christianity is dying. The only possible ally that uh, in the state of Israel would have in the region or the United States is being eradicated. And we're allowing it that to the destruction of the United States. It makes no sense to me why we are allowing this to happen. We are we are leaving a bat, black mark on Western societies, on the United States, uh, you know, and it shouldn't happen. I'm proud of my country. I don't want my country to have to live with the stigmatism of what it did a hundred years ago, a hundred years from now. Hmm. Well said, my brother. You know, we we've reached the uh, end of the program. I'm just so thankful to have you uh, leading the fight, being the tip of the spear in, in this, uh, as hellish as it is. Um, you're doing wonders. You and 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 your team are doing wonders. In and despite the odds, and the odds are, are tremendous. Uh, but uh, wow, we're we're going to keep you in our prayers. We're going to uplift you, and certainly we're going to keep uh, uh, soliciting financial assistance for what you do, and mm-hmm. ask others to do the same. Well, there's a third person in this lead, so he's really the one who's uh, guiding us. And, um, you know, yeah. um, like I said, uh, when we've been nothing in the coffers, uh, you know, suddenly he's opened up doors for us. And uh, without what we had received in the United Assyrian Appeal, we would have been able to go downrange to see what happened and give money to the Fulty families. And I'm going to be able to sit here and tell you, here's an update of what's happening to our folks. And um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, uh, we're on the right track. But, um, you know, if we're not, uh, he'll tell us, you know, he's smarter than you and me. So uh, we've been on the right track. Uh, We just got to get there. Uh, America, Israel, and Western societies need to have an Assyrian enduring footprint in the region. Christianity needs it. Christianity cannot survive in the region without having the Assyrian Christian having their own footprint, period. It won't happen. It won't happen. No, it's it's not. You're absolutely right. 
Lieutenant Colonel, thank you so much for your time this evening. And I know you're a busy man, and I, I know that, um, I, I mean, what a tremendous, what an insight every major media outlet should be talking with you and getting the story out there. Of course, we know that they're not. So standing in the gap to do the same, sir, to do just that. Lieutenant Colonel, thank you. May, may God bless you. And we're going to talk again soon. Hopefully you'll come back as well at some future point. We're going to continue these conversations because we need to keep the dialogue going. We really do. And we'll do, guys, and thank you very much again. And, um, again, I'm sorry to say, but, you know, for us, you know, www.unitedassertionappeal.org, it's very helpful for us. And hopefully we'll see you guys back again. Indeed. All right. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant God bless you. You stay safe. Yes, sir. Indeed. Wow. Folks, you heard this. This is history being made right now, and, and you heard, uh, you heard him. You, you heard him describing the plight of the Christians in, in the Middle East, in Iraq, and in Syria. And if it's hard to, to listen to, it should be. Yes. Um, Thank you. As what's, you know, going on over there is, as, uh, the lieutenant colonel described as some of the most inhumane and evil uh, behavior, you know, uh, uh, non-human even to the point. I mean, this this the level of of depravity and evil. Uh, you to, remember, Joe? I mean, the, cutting out people's hearts. Yeah, you remember that little girl? Children. Yes, I do. Um, and, and, and there was a know, there was a, a blip of outrage, and, and then nothing but the little Syrian girl that was chained to a fence. Back uh, when we did the private investigation work, uh, when when you started HomelandSecurityUS.com, when you ran those beheading videos, I remember you uh, uh, watching those. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and just, I, I remember the sounds. I remember. And uh, it, it takes a lot to, to stomach something like that. And, and, but and worse he's even, living it. Worse even is what is has been coming out of... Uh, from ISIS, yeah, and it does it's even easy possible, you know. to see the headlines and not click on them and and to you know disregard this. But we continue to do that. It will be on our front door. It'll be things that we're dealing with in our own towns and, and it, cities ourselves. It's it's our it really it's already here. It's just in stasis. I I, I that's kind of my feeling. oh yeah. And a good example that um, you know just today ISIS. Newspaper hailed the Ohio State terrorist. There you go, and uh, has called uh, for more terror attacks. Um, calls for a continuation of attacks on America, and the uh, Islamic State prominently featured the Ohio State terrorist in their weekly newspaper today, mm-hmm. along with a call for others to continue jihad on America, highlighting the Orlando nightclub attacker. And um, the latest Saudi Ohio State um, attack, which uh, was was um, stopped without any fatalities aside from the attacker on the Ohio without State without fatalities, camp. but not without you know leaving right. a mark. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know it's only going to get worse if we turn a blind eye to it here in America. If we don't pray against it, if we don't do what we can to stop it, it will be here. Joe, if I can take a second, just yeah. I want to thank Lisa Haven for inviting me on her program. Lisa Haven, uh, what a tremendous researcher's, uh, researcher in the alternative news media 
She's got one of the most popular alternative news uh, YouTube channels. Go to Lisa Haven. Uh, we'll just search her on YouTube. We'll, I'll put a link up on, on HagmanReport.com. But thank you, Lisa, and your dog, Diesel, as well. It was a, it was a great time. Uh, Joe, I'm going to kick back kick back to you there. Yeah, tomorrow um, we got a, a great show for you. Um, we have Paul McGuire in the first hour coming on to talk about the uh, important the, stuff. Man. Yeah, the satanic uh, ritual aspect, uh, you know, from this uh, rape gate, as John called it earlier. Um, Pedal gate, rape gate, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, and the uh, the importance of that. And then he's going to be followed by Justin Peters uh, from Justin Peters Ministry for hours two and three. Um, With a little Justin more Peters on the current events. Yes, and... Uh, it should be a great show, and then we got a, a jam-packed show for you next week. And I'll be on Dave Hodges on uh, Sunday, Sunday yeah. and uh, tomorrow's Friday. So until then, stay safe. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.